Welcome to another episode of Not Your Average Netizens, the K-pop podcast where we say what we want, when we want, and how we want to say it. This is Ash, and I'm here for another great discussion and great episode with my co-podcasters, Jimin. Hey, guys. And Nat. Hello. And we have a very stacked list of topics today. Since Ash came in a little unprepared today, Nat is going to be taking the lead on the news part of the podcast. Sure. So what have we been listening to? I can take the reins. I I know you're waiting for that. (laughs) I've been listening to mostly, of course, TXT, Magic Island, that is still probably the greatest pop K-pop song that has come from that generation, I believe. It's a great song. I have also been listening to... So, me and Nat had a conversation where she tried to convince me that Selena Gomez did not have any good songs. I'm just kidding. She didn't say that. But she did say she didn't like Selena Gomez's latest album. I can't speak to that because I didn't listen to the whole album. I refuse to give her coins. However, I did listen to Lose You to Love Me. That song is incredible. That song is really good. That's like one of the best Selena Gomez songs I've ever heard. It's up there with the... I know I'd go back to you. I think that's what the song's called. Sorry. (laughs) I don't know the title of the song. Not to mention her performance skills on the stage, but we won't go into that. No, I don't know anything about... I literally know two songs by her that I can just (laughs) like name. Like I can sing those songs off the top of my head. So I've been streaming that, Lose You to Love Me. I've also been really streaming a lot of throwback stuff. Lots of, for for some reason, I ended up listening to My Boo the other day. You guys know that song? Boy, you should know that. That song? No. Wow. Wait, is that what that song called? My Boo by who? Usher and Alicia Keys. Okay, I was about to say, because there are several songs that have that in the title. So I was that's what I was thinking it was, but I yeah. wasn't sure. Yeah, okay. Oh, wow. Ooh, I have, uh, that song with, was it Ghost DJs or something like that? At night, I think of you. I oh, I thought oh, yeah, but is that called my boo? Isn't that what it's called? I thought you were singing Sierra songs. What? That song is called. Did she sample that or something? Didn't she sample that? Well, maybe Sierra sampled this song. No, that song song was called Body Party. No, that's, I know. So Sierra did sample. Oh, Ghost Town DJs. That song is a sample of that at night, I think of you song. Yeah. And then Ghost Town DJs, their song from 96 is called My Boo. That's the song that I thought you were talking about. (laughs) Oh, no. It's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think it's like an age thing. (laughs) 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 The song came out in 96. So, yeah. Well, that would do it. I've been listening to a lot of just like 2000s bops because I've just been in a 2000s kind of mood. And so, or. Actually, more so like 2010s, like early 2010s. So like lots of, you know, like Natasha Bedingfield. (laughs) (laughs) 
Wow. This is unwritten. I'm just saying, it's just the facts. I listened to Leona Lewis the other day, too. Leading Love. Yes. Like, I listened to Rihanna say that she did with, what's his name, Mickey Oh, yeah. I love that song. From Unapologetic, right? But yeah, some Beyonce from her original Goat Tier albums, like I Am Sasha Fierce, I feel like. But yeah, so I just found myself really getting to throw back some Denise Williams. That's a real throwback. Y'all hear it for the boys? Hear it for the boys. Oh, well, no, not not the Footloose soundtrack. Oh. I'm talking about her. (laughs) Everybody knows Silly. And everybody knows. um, And the covers of Silly. I just been in that throwback phase. Diana Ross, I'm Coming Out, which is the greatest song of all time. I don't care what anybody says. That song never fails to get me hyped. Like, it puts me in a good mood every time I hear it, no matter how I feel about Diana, no matter how y'all feel about her and her vocals. I feel the same way about Diana in a way that I feel about Janet. Like, yes, Janet has whisper vocals, but she got bops. Yeah. So, and she has mm-hmm. dance moves. She knows how to put on You know what? Also, I feel like with those singers, like, they have, they don't have the strongest voices, but they know what to do with it. Yes. Yeah. yeah, honestly, I get so lonely. I, I really love I Get So Lonely. That, that is, is like iconic. one of my favorite all-time songs. So that if Yes, that's what I've been listening. That's why my playlist, like I said, K-pop has just been TXT super in too fast. Oh, also, I cannot get cheer up out of my head. I've never heard I've I literally have cheer never purposely baby, listened to that song. Baby. But I hear it all the time. And you ever watch like those K-pop compilation videos, like funny moments yes. or whatever? Yes. Uh, for some reason, that song is always in the like. Ash, what about you? What have you been listening to? A lot of second gen stuff. So, like, Bright Girls from Second Gen, Wonder Girls, Two New One, a lot of girl groups from Second Gen, some Big Bang stuff, and Lizzo. As far as Western artists, Lizzo, Little Mix. Tanache has a new album out that's actually good. So it's actually not bad. Now that she's gotten away from RCA and big label companies, it seems like her stuff is more to, like, it's more her. You know, she's living in her truth now. So it's it's pretty good. And I think that's it. I've been listening to a lot of, like, songs from the decade because I was trying to, like, as we'll get into later, I did not dis- I did not agree with that Billboard 100 K-pop songs of the 2010s. So, you know, I brainstormed a way for us to come up with our own list, which we will present to you later. But I was sort of like feeling out the decade because, I mean, a decade is a really long time. You don't really think it is a long time because time like flies by or it feels like it flies by. But like there's such a huge disconnect from like the music that came out in 2010 and 2011, even up to like 2012 ish and like music that came out in 2017 and 2018. So it, it was sort of like rediscovering a lot of like my favorite old songs that I go back to. Like, I mean, okay. Spoiler, I guess, or whatever, but like fiction from beast is a song that I always go back to. Like, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. If I like, I'm at work and I need to like put on a playlist or whatever beast their song fiction is always a song that's on it like it's just like this one of my favorite songs of all time and so yeah i've been kind of just like rediscovering old faves and sort of like going through songs that i liked enough to put on my itunes but not like i didn't go back to so just like getting a feel for what i wanted to put on my list and then i was just listening to a lot of like marina a lot of kevin garrett of course like those are kind of my favorite artists right now like from the west 
and I don't know, just like a lot of like, like alt, alternative music, just because like, that's kind of like my wheelhouse in a lot of ways. <laughs> so like Jimmy Eat World and I've been kind like such sounds from like the 2000s, like One, One Tree Hill music, you know, like that's kind of like the era. So our first topic is probably one of the biggest stories of the year. And that is the unfortunate passing of Guha from Kara. Uh, she passed away at the age of 28. And apparently, I don't want to get into the specifics, but it happened on November 24th. And they were going to investigate the cause of death, but her family has uh, said that they do not want to. Um, and I, I guess most people have sort of come to the, the belief that it was a suicide, which, as we remember, Kuhara had attempted suicide earlier this year and thank god she was unsuccessful then but unfortunately you know she she's no longer here with us a lot of k-pop artists and uh, just people in general in korea put a lot of promotions on hold out of respect for guhara and there was like a lot of stunned sort of silence on Twitter and, and uh, Instagram from her peers and friends and family and loved ones. And I mean, we have seen a lot of things come out lately about things that are alluding to to uh, sort of the, the issues that she had faced about revenge porn with her ex and her wanting to help with the Mocha case against Jung Joo Young and, you know, top sharing the last message from her and her brother sharing his last message and i know on instagram recently jung kang jung i believe her name is from kara and oof, i can't remember her name but another member of kara did put up sort of mem- memorials in a sense for guhara and yeah i don't it's always really hard coming on here and having to share something like that it's unfortunately just a reality of our world regardless of where you live and where you're from your race ethnicity religion what language you speak you know depression and mental illness and you know just like hard living it it can be found everywhere and you know once again you know you're not alone on our twitter i did put up like international suicide prevention hotlines so, you know, if you ever feel like you need to speak to somebody and you don't have anyone to speak to, that's definitely a place that I would suggest going to. I, I'm heartbroken. I love Luhara. I follow her on Instagram. I, she's the reason I got into Kara. I would definitely recommend Luhara's, I think it was called 24 Hours On and Off. It was like her reality show near the end, right before Kara officially went on hiatus or broke up i don't know which one it was but it sort of followed her around and you got bigger insights to her and into you got to you know watch the group and you got to see her with her friends gan and i think tiffany and like her makeup artist and it's just like oh i think it was one of the first sort of like reality series on an a single artist and it kind of reminds me now of what everybody's doing on v lives but it's like if you, you know, are new to Guhara or you want to know more about her, that's definitely a place that I would suggest starting. Definitely give her music a chance. Listen to some Kara. Kara had amazing bops. And I 
yeah, I don't know. I'm still sort of processing her death. She was definitely um, a huge star and a huge light, and she's it, she's in peace now, and she is, you know, hopefully if she, when she's reborn, she'll have a better life. That's all I can say. Do you guys have anything you want to add? I will say, I mean, it was one of those things where, like, you're not, you're shocked, but you're not shocked because, well, you know, like Nat said, there is a history there of her having made attempts before. And, but at the same time, you know, it was a feeling of, you know, especially with K-pop fans, like, oh, no, it happened again, sort of thing. You know, kind of waking up to find out that someone else, you know, then that, it was another person from the second gen at that. And I did want to kind of mention that I read something kind of interesting that a fan wrote, just, you know, kind of observation that, you know, obviously, you know, all of these situations of Jonghyun, Kuhara, Sully, you know, these, these instances, these people were all, you know, second gen artists. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, for those of us that were kind of around, you know, listening to K-pop back then and, you know, were there for, you know, that kind of stage of it, it's very, it's almost unreal to kind of think that these people, A, you know, were so hurt and so much, you know, despair and everything that they, you know, felt that they needed to do this and that, this that it seems to be people from these groups, you know, Shiny and Kara, FX, these groups that we loved, and they are changed forever. And it kind of gives you this kind of uneasy feeling of who's next sort of deal. It also makes you kind of wonder, you know, with the current generation of artists, how are things going to turn out for them, you know, when they kind of hit that stage of their careers, you know, the the second gen is at now. Is it going to be a situation where they've learned in the industry has learned from these suicides and, and these issues having come up and maybe this will turn into something where there'll be more awareness about it and you won't have these kind of things happening or God forbid that the cycle will you know begin again and we'll see this happen in the future. It makes you think so. I mean, it's it's very it's tragic for all of this to happen, but it does make you kind of question, you know, what this industry does to the artists and, you know, what kind of support are they receiving? And, you know, Kuhara had she was, you know, after Sully died, I think she might have taken a short break if that and went right back to promotions, like almost yeah. immediately afterward. And so, you know, it, it kind of makes you think, like, you know, what kind of support are these people getting? So, I will say that there's a slight difference that we know of, anyways, with like Sully and Junyun and and Guhara. I think that Guhara's major issue has always been the Mocha situation. And the, not the Moko, sorry, the uh, revenge porn situation with her ex. Mm -hmm. And basically the way that her peers in the industry and like netizens treated her 
because of this preconceived notion that she was like a slut and she kind of like dated around like the idol world. And I know Mm -hmm. like a lot of people will come and be like, oh, well, it happened years ago and blah, blah, blah. But like, I mean, I always remember that radio star episode when she was on with JYP and some other members, I think of her group. And uh, basically like the whole skit was like Guhara, you know, this is all these cards are all the men that you've dated. And if I if I reveal everything that I know about you, your career is going to be ended. And they kind of made wasn't that a member of Super Junior that said that? Of course, it was a member of Super Junior. It was Kyohyun, I think. And basically, she literally started crying like on like during this interview. And like they tried to be like, oh, no, we didn't mean it. We're just joking, whatever. But I remember like JYP and the other members were like kind of laughing at the beginning when like everybody was like laughing, like it was just like a skit thingy. But then as soon as she started crying, it was like obvious that they were upsetting her. JYP's face absolutely changed. Like he looked like he was really upset as well. And then the members went and got her Kleenex and it was like really uncomfortable. And like it kind of that sort of like behavior sort of followed her. And I remember when the whole situation with her ex came about and people were on her side and then they were slut shaming her and they were making, you know, jokes about her and saying that they should release the video because the ex had, had like, you know, sex, like sexual material on his phone of her and stuff like that. And it seemed like a lot of, you know, what she was feeling was because of, like sort of stemmed from these like misogynistic sort of hateful mostly fueled by jealousy sort of like um, rumors about her rumors and then what happened with her ex and I mean I know Sully also was bullied mercilessly for no reason by netizens as well so it's it's kind of like I kind of like that the initiative since her death in Korea by a lot of Korean women have been like to push revenge porn, like legislation and laws in her honor and to sort of like punish men more for the things that they do. But I don't know, like it, it's such a like all of these 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 senseless deaths of like, honestly, from what I can tell, not knowing these people, like they all seem like fantastic, good hearted, nice people who, you know, just, you know, wanted to be idols for whatever reason. They're, whether they love to sing, they love to dance, they love to act. And like, this, this is the world they fell into. And they all had success in their own ways. And it's unfortunate that I feel like a lot of, you know, the pain and suffering that they experienced, especially in Kuhara's case, was so avoidable. Like, you know, if Korea was more open to mental health awareness and to getting help. I mean, I, I don't know if it would have stopped what ended up happening, but I feel like, especially in Guhara's case, if people had been there for her and if the system was there for her, she wouldn't have felt so, and like she wouldn't have been in so much pain that she felt that this was the only way for her to continue, you know? But yeah, it's really sad. Jimin? Do you have anything to add? I just feel like there's with each of the situations is different. You know, yes. there's a different, you know, catalyst. There's a different person. And yeah. so like with the Jonghyun situation, it's completely different than what Guhara experienced. And I think that means that we also have to talk about it in, in terms of the whole, the issue that's going on behind it. Right. So with Sully, it was bullying for just 
for me, kind of like no reason. I just, I didn't really see the reason, but no reason with Kuhara, it's this bullying that's based on what's the, the heart of it, which is these extremely, I feel sexist notions and misogynistic notions of, of sexuality and, and just being an adult. But there's also this issue of, in addition to this sort of like you have to be a virgin kind of complex. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's also yeah. this issue of, I feel like idols generally speaking, there's this whole virgin, virginal aspect going on, which is kind of creepy. It's like, you know how female fans of male idols feel like they own them. I feel like the ownership is sexualized, right? And it becomes in many ways, this Lolita fantasy for a lot of international men and even for a lot of Korean men, that could be the case where there's this fantasy of the pure virginal, almost little girl. I hate to say it that way, but that's the vibe that it gives me when they get mad at these female idols for quote unquote acting like a slut. Obviously there's this historical context and this patriarchy, but there's also this issue of the men who are fans of these women, because I remember reading a lot of netizen comments and a lot of the women, like female netizens who were commenting were saying things like, I'll just, she's like, I think it was one of the girl groups. It was a girl from one of the girl groups who like had like come out with a sexy concept early on in the year. And like one of like a lot of the female commenters in the section, the Korean commenters, they were saying like these, all she's are just mad because you know, she's not like uh, being what they want her to be playing into their fantasy. And I feel like a lot of it stems from people having a fantasy of these female idols of being childlike. And that's creepy in and of itself. That's already bad enough. That's already an issue. And, and I feel like it speaks to the fact that this happened and the fact that we can sort of, you know, think of the reasons that come to it, we can sort of add this to it. So it's the the fact that the guys on Radio Star felt so comfortable doing that, with bullying her in that way, because they knew that their fan base wasn't going to say anything, because the people who agree with them are going to be the people who feel this way about sort of female sexuality. That's just my own opinion. That's just from what I've seen. But there's also like the boyfriend who felt like so comfortable that he could do this whole revenge porn thing. He felt like he would get no backlash from that. He felt, you know what I mean? I feel like if somebody is so bold to the point where they can do something like that to you is because they feel like at the end of the day, it's okay. Right. They don't see the problem. And I, and I think that all of these are issues. I think the, the idea that women have to be basically like children, you know what I mean? Until they are married to you. Right. That's an issue. Because that takes on this whole other nuanced view, but also the the fact that people feel comfortable enough in the society to just be so public with it. I just feel like all of this just speaks to what needs to change in the idol industry and what needs to change about fan culture. And I don't know. You know what? When you were speaking, it actually reminded me of something that Kim Dong-won from Shinwa had said, right, I think, after Sully had passed. And he put out a tweet about, I, I won't read the whole thing, but I'm going to read the parts that kind of like stuck with me. And like that sort of, I started to recall it when you were, you were speaking about the whole like virgin, you know, desires slash Lolita desires kind of thing. Okay. Um, he said, when athletes suffer, suffers ligament injuries, even in the case that they can recover through repairing treatment and physical therapy, many experts still advise surgery. This is due to the fact that recu- recuperation time after an injury is also written in as part of their contracts. 
As the media grows larger and as entertainment industry grows larger, there are many things that one side requires from another and vice versa. Even in harsh conditions, when young fellows cannot eat properly or sleep properly, more and more adults are demanding that they wear a bright and healthy smile. You must be sexy, but you cannot have sex. You must be tough, but you cannot fight with anyone. This is what is required of them. Many Hobeys are currently fighting a battle within themselves, debating how much sickness can they bear in their hearts and continue to work, all for the sake of the sweetness that money and fame provide. Numerous scientific studies and research results have already told us exactly how fast and easy or how many or how many side effects and after effects there are in psychotropic drugs. We can no longer sit by and watch as they suffer, sorry, as and watch as they offer such drugs simply because the individual wants them for relief or to resolve the problem speedily. We must not fail to notice how readily the lazy actions of large entertainment companies can become the host of contagious virus that can spread instantaneously. I mean, I did read the whole thing because I, <laughs> I was already on a roll. But <laughs> what really spoke to me is like, you must be sexy, but you cannot have sex. You must be tough, but you cannot fight. And how, like, regardless of what you're going on inside, you have to wear a healthy and happy smile. Yeah. And yeah. And, and that kind of is like the crux of it. I know we have this sort of like idea here as well in the West. It's not like it's new in Korea. No, I mean, not we've already all. seen it completely. Look at like Marilyn Monroe, like sex icon crazy depressed but she's known for what her her looks and her 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 brightness and her her sexiness and everything so i mean it's definitely not something that's new to us but i feel like i don't know if you remember the when britney had her meltdown yes and when mariah I had do. her meltdown they're very public meltdowns mm -hmm. i feel like here it's something that we allow a little bit more even though like obviously if it was a zoo. And I think like the media, the way that they spun it and the way that they reported it was disgusting. But at the same time, you know, we allowed them to bounce back from that. We allowed them to have their, the time that they needed to, to do whatever they need to do. And for Brittany, you know, shaving off her head and smashing things with umbrellas, you know, like that's, that was what she needed. Mm -hmm. But we don't, we don't like move away from our idols when they are at their lowest. No. I think that's the difference because like, like Mariah, Whitney, when, you know, during her, her drug phase and stuff and Amy Winehouse, like there's so many of these idols that we know are going through so many like hard, difficult, you know, excruciating life situations. And we stick by them, you yeah. know, like we, and then, we like, I think too, we love seeing, you know, like that whole like Phoenix out of the ashes. So, you know, like we love to see a good like story of somebody like overcoming, you know, huge obstacles as well. Mm -hmm. So when they're in their up, we like, we cheer them along and we, we, we stand by them, you know? And I, but I think it's the opposite in Korea. Yes. Where if, as soon as you show that human weakness, it's like goodbye. You know, in a lot of ways, because people go to idols for that bright smile and that perfection. And, you know, like, I guess it's more of an escape from their own real life. So if an idol shows, you know, like if that mask, that mask sort of slips for a bit and that humanity shines through, people are kind of like, no, you're no longer like my escape. Now you remind me of, you know, the things in my life that I'm trying to escape. Oh, so, that's super profound. And it's something I definitely agree with. And it, and it also plays into... It plays into a lot of other issues too. Of course, the bullying is a huge part of it, like trying to get away from the idol because you feel like it's ruining sort of your fantasy. It also plays into like, you know, for example, EXO, like Kai can go and put on like these 
stick on tattoos on stage, but then Jungkook gets ta- real tattoos and he has to cover them up and he ha- you have a problem with it. Or G Idol, Silent G Idol can like wear their hip hop, hippie hoppy clothes and then be all gangster, quote unquote. But then you turn around in the same breath and be like, well, the reason why BTS is better than American music is because American music is about violence and like this gangster culture. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it, it plays into even issues like racism. And it's interesting how it's like the fantasy can't be real. You like the fantasy that your idol is, is tough and, and and can go out there and hang out with the bad boys. But as long as he's not actually doing it, you know, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, no, absolutely. it's creepy to me. And it's it's a horrible thing. And I do feel like I, I do agree with you that in many ways, I think Western culture is moving to a place where it's more like forgiving. And it, and I feel like you can even see that trend in other types of media, like, right. So uh, the way I look at it is I, I kind of compare it. I'm kind of comparing it to the rise in YouTube and Vine and these sort of quote unquote celebrities that are just regular people, because I think people in the West are sort of moving more towards this idea of the relatable celebrity. Whereas yeah. I definitely think in South Korea, obviously they st- they call their celebrities. Well, you know, in this case, they call them idols. So, yeah. or you're the top artist. Like it, it's kind of like coded in a way that it's, it's meant to say your role is this. And then that is it. We don't care about relating to you because we want you to be as perfect as you can be at what you're supposed to be doing. So if you're supposed to be a top artist, a top star, like the best singer, right? That's what you are. Outside of that, you're nothing. And you can even, I feel like you possibly could see that in their work culture too, in the way that they work, their, their job is, is their life in many ways. I feel like you can see that in other parts of society. And I think that's a valid critique on society. I don't think that means, I don't think that that means we're kind of stereotyping them or saying something. I think that's what they show us. That's what they're telling us. It, in, they even said this in that K-pop documentary, that BBC documentary, that journalist who is actually a South Korean person who I'm assuming is an, a, a culture expert because she was consulted for this, this documentary yeah. and spoke to these same issues saying that you have to be perfect. You cannot have these flaws and the society is unforgiving and you do drugs, you're out. You, you're suspected of doing drugs, you're out. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's fine, I, I suppose, in terms of like having your own moral compass, but it's not fine when you act like it's not human to, to succumb to these things. Like, just because I don't, just because I'm like staunchly against doing meth, for example, doesn't mean I'm going to treat someone who's a meth addict like they're not human. They're still a person. You still need to help them. You don't alienate them from society, help them. And, and then, that's one case, right? But then it's totally different when it's something as harmless as just dating. Like what? <laughs> like, yeah, that doesn't even hurt anyone. Yeah. Or like, I know Jungkook had like a bit of like scandal things with like the tattoo artist girl and then like the car accident. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing like some medicine buzz comments and they were like, he needs to manage himself better. And I'm just like, dude got tattoos and accidentally like got into an accident while driving i mean what is there to manage these are things that are sort of like 
out of his control in some ways. Like, what is what does that even mean? Yeah. Like, is he only supposed to be driven around in like lifts and cabs? Is he not allowed to drive anymore because he got into one accident? Is he not allowed to like go and get a tattoo? Is that is there something wrong with that? I, I was kind of floored because it just like I understand if, you know, he like seriously fucked up, you know, was racist, was like misogynistic, you know, was like, I don't know, did something to that was really offensive to people and and rude and mean and like whatever. Like, I totally would understand that. But I mean, outside of the, the gentleman who he hit, who, you know, he settled with. <laughs> let's not forget that these he's just hanging out and living his life and being like an early 20 year old. Like, what is the problem? Like. Is he not allowed, especially with the yeah. way that oh, he no. works? Is he not allowed to be a person? <laughs> yeah, those men I mean, have the same morals as the NFL, where oh, you for can sure. beat your girlfriend in an elevator and drag her across to to God knows where. But you can't dare speak up against injustices in your country because yeah. that makes the NFL and look bad, right? It's ridiculous. Like, I mean, I know misogyny and like is everywhere, but like. If you can't even go to a public bathroom for fear of like there being a camera in it, like I think yeah. there's a serious, deep rooted issue, and you like there's a lot of people there that need help. Yeah, I mean with with these like sexual abuse sort of thing, like I I saw something about how like they're trying to pass these like these laws are put into legislation, like these sexual abuse laws, and like big, huge politicians in the countries and like rich men are trying to escape because they are linked to, to sexual abuse and they don't want to be tried. And it's like, what is even going on here? Like, how do you, like, I, it's just so surreal. Like when I think about it and like all these people who like love K-pop and go to Korea and they have these like stars in their eyes because they watch K-dramas and they listen to K-pop and they have like, you know, Korea is like this, this, this like fairy tale. It's like the garden of Eden to them in a lot of ways. And like, there's so much fucked up stuff that's going on there and like yeah you know like it's like you can't be naive yeah it's like literally yeah. any place in the world you can't do things with stars in your eyes like no too many people get too far deep into k-pop don't get me wrong there's definitely some stands who will hate uh, hate netizens for you know critiquing something jungkook does for example of course but there there's an equal and growing amount of people who are just like just in love with anything korean because they just feel yeah. like it's it's, it's again, that idea of I own you and you are my source of entertainment and therefore you have to be this, this, and this. It's just in a bit of a different way. And I don't know. It, I just, like you said, it's like any country in the world. When I critique Korea, obviously it seems like I'm critiquing it a lot. Well, because our show is about K-pop. But yeah. when we have our conversations and we talk about whatever or we go off topic to talk off air we critique every country in the world we critique our, we, we, we our own countries our own countries okay <laughs> like yeah america does not don't escape. worry <laughs> don't worry it's canada that, doesn't either yeah so. it does not escape critique it's just the fact that our show is focused on korea so of course we're going to critique them more for our listeners out there and on, on air i should say and yeah. and there's issues there and and of there's course. this i just don't want anything like this to happen for I feel like, you know, you hate to hear when people pass away anyway, but when yeah. you hear that it's, it's, when there's this trend that it's by this means and there was always some bullying element involved or there's always yeah. some element of like their society that they lived in did not help. I know it seems like 
you know, the world is moving in a better place and it is in a, some, in a lot of ways, but like, I don't know about like how it is for you, but like when you're especially like a first gen kid of like immigrant parents, it's, it's kind of like straddling two cultures in a lot of ways. And like the old culture is not here for therapy. It's not here for antidepressants. It's not here for, you know, you needing to seek help for your mental health. And that's something that you have to like learn because I mean like that's not really big in Jamaica (laughs) so uh it's not something that we like you know you grew up thinking like you thought you know if somebody went to the therapist whatever they're weak or they're weird or they're white you know like those were the things that you kind of grew up thinking and then you kind of like learn and like you sort of like get into it and you kind of realize like there's absolutely nothing wrong like I've said before on this podcast I'm in therapy Ashi side note when I went to see my therapist last week She's like, she saw the news about Guhara and she said the first thing she thought about was me. <laughs> oh, no. I was like, like yeah, it, it is crazy. I feel like it's crazy because I feel like I've heard more stories like this in K-pop in the past year than I have in in Western pop. Yeah. In a long yeah, and I can't tell you the last time I heard a story like this in Western pop, to be honest. Yeah. And on top of that, too, it's like because K-pop is becoming more of a global music industry or genre Mm -hmm. like it's a lot of people are coming across it that would never but i think we can end it there Um, you know rest in peace and definitely seek help if you need it the next topic is about momoland so uh, momoland famous for boom boom one of the songs of last year one of the major songs of last year, actually. <laughs> One of the songs of last year. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> wait, wait. But no, I actually did like Boom Boom. So Momoland, who has not been able to recreate that success and seems to like, you know, they had like a huge hit last year. They kind of disappeared. So apparently MLD Entertainment, which is their agency, revealed that the departures of Yeonwoo and Teha from Momoland, as well as they mentioned some sort of like really vague non-answer on Daisy, who had also been MIA for a while. So it looks like Teha is going to leave the company. So she did terminate her exclusive contract with MLD, but it's Yeonwoo, sorry, who is going to just go become an actress. She is going to stay in the company and just not be a part of Momoland. And it seemed like it was very surprising. I feel like this year has also been the year of like people leaving groups. So yeah, it is really surprising. Mostly because I totally, I kind of forgot about Momoland for a while. Because as I said, like they had like a huge hit with with Boom Boom. And then they dropped Bam, which was sort of like, you know, lukewarmish. But they were still out there. And then there was that one girl in Momoland who was like everywhere for a while. I can't remember her name. And then like this year, I don't like, I can't even remember if they had a comeback. It just seems like they were kind of non-existent. I don't think they did. I might, let me look that up. Because honestly, yeah. I haven't heard about Momoland in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't. I don't know yeah. why either. Yeah. Momoland comeback. Let's see. Ash, okay. do you have any thoughts wow, on Wow, there's already YouTube videos. What happened to Momoland? Yeah, they sort of like disappeared. I'm so um, hot. They had a March 5th. They had a I think we watched that. I think we watched that music video, you know. Um, they had a Japanese album August 20th. Okay, maybe that explains August. why they weren't active in Korea. They were maybe in Japan promoting. Yeah. But yeah, so Bumbleland is a six-member group now. Potentially a five-member group if Daisy leaves. <laughs> and so uh, 
I don't know. That's it's so strange. I don't know if it was like that they were mismanaged or if it just is like a circumstance because I mean, they were not, I don't think boom, boom was their first single. So maybe it was more like they randomly got this hit and you know, like that was it, (laughs) you know, like they had this one hit wonder and then that was it. That was the end of them. Yeah. Okay. So our next topic is Huna has opened up about uh, her fights with panic disorder, depression, and vasovagal syncope. I probably butchered that. Um, in hopes that others will get treated. So she had a post, I think, on Instagram where she, you know, she was very honest about her, the things that her illnesses, I would say, and how they affected her, and not just physically, but mentally. And now how she, you know, she gets treated every, I think two weeks, she says she has to go and get treated. And like, I used to make her feel like a failure, like she was ashamed of it, but she wanted to be open and honest with people so that, you know, they don't hesitate to go and get helped as well too. And I thought that was really brave of her. I, I think that another positive outside of like the legislation that could come out of, you know, the unfortunate things that happened to Sully and Junghyun and Uhara is that it's going to open up idols who are going to see the reaction and the outpouring of love and support from, from people. And that's going to motivate them to be more open about their own illnesses. So interesting enough, I feel like the Vasovago, uh, oh my God, I'm totally butchering that name. Think of, I think that might've been why she left the Wonder Girls because she was an original member of the Wonder Girls. I don't know if you know that. And she, did their first song, Irony, and then she left the group. And I know, like, around the time, there was all these rumors about her, like, getting knocked up by Jay Park and, like, all this stuff and whatever. And then she she joined for a minute and, you know, the rest is history. But I feel like this, like, I can't remember what, the like, her illness reason was for leaving the Wonder Girls, but maybe that is tied to this. And that means that from almost all of her career, she's been, you know, having these to deal with these issues and she's hidden them you know behind a bright smile and you know like being the femme fatale in in a lot of ways and so it's it's surprising in a lot of ways because i think that she did hide these things very well and she's always been really sort of like out there personality wise um but i think for me like this adds like a layer another layer to huna Because this is like a very vulnerable thing to admit. And this is like, you know, something to be very honest about. And I don't know if like it's the changing climate of K-pop or because, you know, she really has nothing to lose at this point. I mean, she's she's pretty much in charge of her own destiny in a lot of ways. And and maybe that's why she feels comfortable. But I feel like showing like this nuance and the the onion layers of of these these idols, you know, that people put on pedestals. I think that's like only going to do more good than it can do any harm. And I think it's really brave for her. And I applaud like what she's done and, and how she has, you know, put herself out there in hopes, not just, you know, of, of being honest with her fans and, and whatnot, but just so other people in that situation don't feel ashamed and don't feel, you know, any sort of negativity towards themselves because of things that they can't control. And, you know, seeing someone like Huna deal with it and, and, you know, be honest about it will hopefully motivate them to do the same. What yeah. do you think? 
I totally agree. We kind of had this conversation a little bit last episode, but yes, we kind of had a similar conversation about different artists who have had impact in the decade. And yes, yes, yes. We mentioned how different artists have made it sort of more acceptable to sort of just talk about what you're really going through, talk about your real struggles and not feel ashamed of it, really. Just just be honest about it and and maybe you that person might be hoping that it can help someone else be honest with themselves as well. So no, I, I do I'm really appreciative of this for him. I like it. I I I'm not that familiar with her music. I stand her very briefly <laughs> when her and her <laughs> <got> together. <laughs> yeah. And, but I realized that you can't just stand someone because they, they you know, was in a relationship. Rebel. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you have to stand them for their music. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I just have not literally run into him on music. I don't know what it is. Like, I'll be, I be, I go out of my way to try to discover K-pop music that I've never heard before. But I literally have never run into a Hyanna song, which is crazy to think about. Really? It's pretty awesome. I'm surprised no, that's that serious. you haven't heard like um, Bubble Pop at the very least. Nope. Because that was like huge, huge hit. And that's like her go-to like when she performs live. Mm-hmm. I'm like really hot and cold with Hyanna. Like I, I hated Bubble Pop for the longest time, even though it is her biggest hit. I love Red. Not all of it, because there's some parts in it that are questionably like offensive. Oh, actually, no, I don't even think they're questionably. I think they're outright offensive. Really? But like, racially uh, yeah, yeah. So basically, like, there's a, you know, that like, that Native American sound, uh, like uh, that people and then they, they have a dance. So there's that part. And then on top of that, like, like, there's a lot of monkeys in the video. Like, oh, you know, I mean, that's fine. But then there's a black guy. And I think his dance was supposed to be like a gorilla. I don't know what that was about. But that's what it came across as. Okay. Um. Right. So I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, Red itself, the song, oh, total bop. I mean, I think like with Bumbaya, because Bumbaya also has that like Native American kind of sound. And it has like the dance move, too. That, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That part mm-hmm. in the song. Yeah. Um. So I think that is very similar to like what it is. And I, I honestly, like, I mentally block it out now. Mm. <laughs> when I listen to these songs, I just mentally block it out. Um. Same with tiara's yeah 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 so you guys just so you guys can say that i ignore my faves i know exactly what my faves are up to but tiara has a song called yeah 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 and it's literally them like as in- indigenous people with like teepees and like feathers and oh. i've seen the music video once and i said no thank you but yeah there's that i i mean read the song itself outside of that fantastic how's that with that guy from b2b love it yeah, no. But yeah, um, with that being said, like I really yes. and and I want to make this distinction really quickly while we're on the topic. Yeah, people feel like when somebody is depressed or going through something, or maybe you know they're not with us anymore, people feel like that means that no one can critique them ever. And I'm like, that's no, why that that's not that's why no that that's not how that works. Um, no. I feel like you can very much bring up things that people done that is been offensive and wrong now that we're talking about you know that like she said that there's an, an offensive kind of music video it's okay to talk about that that doesn't make them exempt from there's like i said treat people like they are human which means that they have flaws but that doesn't mean that they're evil or they have they do really great things but that doesn't mean that they're perfect you know what i mean you, you can't really yeah. treat people like they're a part of this black and white dichotomy of good and evil no there's yeah. gray area. There's room for it. And that's why it's okay to have, quote unquote, have 
problematic phase. Sometimes your favorite isn't even problematic. They just have done things that are questionable. That you, exactly. That your morals may make you question. Your personal morals, I should say. Yeah. And I feel like it's okay to talk about those things. There's a ton of things, grievances that I have with some of my faves. And, and there's also a ton of things that maybe I just... Like, when I say grievances, it might not even be something super significant. It might be something as simple as, I don't like the way he hit that note. And that's yeah. okay for me to feel that way. It doesn't... Bullying is different from disagreeing or not... Or critiquing. Yeah. A critique is not hate. Yeah. Critiquing is more so like it's a valid point or, you know what I mean? Like you're giving your valid opinion. Bullying is when you are, I feel like it has intention behind it, like a motive that is very much meant to, yeah, it's malicious. It's meant to hurt the person. Yeah, no, definitely. Like I, I'm one of those people anyways, like I never fell into the whole, everything is perfect. Everything is wonderful because like I, I'm just type to call a spade a spade yeah. you know like if i can love you to death but i mean if that song is shit if what you were wearing is crap i mean like i will be there to say it doesn't mean that i love right. you less and and there's absolutely and it's also, not and it's also about the way you say it too right like of course i don't know i even i critique myself all the time it doesn't mean i i am bullying myself or i hate myself no. or that i'm exempt from bullying because or i'm exempt from critiques because i'm myself right it just I, I don't know. That whole logic is so stupid. So many people do that. Like they say, well, you can't say things about the dead. And I'm like, I get not speaking ill of people. But here's the thing. Nothing exists in a vacuum. Yeah. Opinions change. Society norms change. Things that were OK before, like slavery and the fact that, you know, most of our nations were built on slavery, which was totally normalized at the time. We can look back at that and be like, that is wrong. I think that that's <laughs> super valid. Like, I feel like. I don't know. I just don't like this whole, this culture that gets bred when, when tragedies like this occur, because then it becomes, you can't say anything about anything yeah. ever. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Everything you have to say, everything you say has to be perfect about somebody. Like, think about, if you applied that to anybody in history, you would be making a huge mistake. Of course. Like, you can't just say that about any other person. Uh, so yeah, with that being said, Hannah, yeah. I feel like this is good stuff. Looking yeah, absolutely. More honest and open idols. I'm looking for it. Honestly, I hope 2020 is the year that every idol does a jungle and like, <laughs> like just becomes who they have always been. You know what yeah. I mean? Some Embrace people, them we themselves. might not like that, you know, because some people might expose themselves to be, you know, racist, horrible people. But, you know, at least we know. You know what I mean? I Better really, you know than you don't. Exactly. I always say I'm you, be more afraid of the covert racism than the overt racist exactly so our next topic i have labeled scumbags are actually going to jail so this hey. is about jung jun young and cho jung hey, and jung three young. others yeah three others including Han yuri from girls generation her brother is actually one of them as well they're all going to jail for their mocha scandals and so basically jung jun young is going to jail for six years and Chua, and Chua Jong-hoon is going to jail for five years. And I think Yuri's brother is going to jail for four years. And basically, it looks like they didn't have the connection that YG and Sungri had. So pretty much the judge gave them the maximum sentences that they could get. And it wasn't like years of probation and community service. It's actual jail, which I mean, I think five, six years, four years. I don't think it's enough, to be honest, for the things that they did, which included like trigger warning, like gang rape. And the spreading and filming of 
illegal footage and it's semi-rape sexual assault taking illegal sex cams and sharing it in a chat room basically the i don't know if the judge was saying or if this is just from the article oh no it was, it was the preceding jug judge he said that jung jun young and cho jung hoon were popular singers so they held a sense of responsibility to society for their influence and fame but they and their group of celebrity and non-celebrity friends committed sexual offenses against several women, including gang rape, semi-rape, sexual assault, taking illegal sex cams, and sharing it in the chat room. They viewed women as simple tools for sexual pleasure. The victim's trauma is untreatable, and they demand a severe punishment for the defendant's crime. So, I mean, it is pretty light, but I will take a sentence over something, another story that I'm going to tie into that, which is that YG is not going to jail or being punished at all it looks like they closed the case on his prostitution case citing lack of evidence so i mean what we all sort of expected due to their connections and the fact that the police were involved in some way shape or form and allowed them to get rid of evidence literally they are pretty much just gonna go free so he's in, in the army and he'll probably come out and like try to restart his his life and he'll be able to do so and YG, well, I mean, I don't know if he'll ever be able to be CEO again of YGE based on like the scandals themselves, but he is definitely going to, you know, still be a part of it. I think he's still, there's still going to be that case against him involving BI and, you know, BI who left Icon earlier this year. And the fact that YG threatened the, I know it was a, the girl who tried to get him drugs or what it was. But he, I think he's still sort of caught up in that at this time. But yeah, I feel like it's sort of like one side, one story and the other. Like one story is good. Like these guys are going to jail. Obviously, it's not long enough, but they are going to jail. And then you have, you know, YGE, who is like a known scumbag and like creepy as fuck. And like so like just disgusting to his female artists with everything that he put 21 through, you know, like... You kind of feel like the system works in some ways, but it's so flawed and so broken. And I don't know. I'm pissed for like many different reasons with both of these stories, because I feel like the system is not, it's not set up to help women or to get justice for women. It's barely set up to punish men. So yeah, it's unfortunate. What, what do you think? I mean, I would have said that I was popping big bottles if they go into prison, yeah. but it ain't long enough for me. Wonderful. The next topic is, it is the Melon Awards. So. <laughs> BTS had the best performance of 2018 at the Melon Awards, so I'm excited to see if what you they say do so. this year. I like BTS songs, I just don't, I'm not a huge, I'm not really impressed by the their performances I'll be very honest with you. <laughs> like, I mean, I've never watched a BTS performance and felt like, wow, this is impressive. So... It looks like the lineup is AB6, ITZY, and Flying, The Boys, King Daniel, Mama Moo, BTS, Jenna B, Tex, Chunka, and Hayes. So literally Hayes. one, yeah. there's literally one performance that I'm looking forward to. Thank you for letting me know. Yeah, no, I'm not really looking forward to any of these performances, but I'm interested to see who well, you like, know, wins. I, I, I'll take that back. It would be dope sort of consistent. if TXT <laughs> did Magic Island, though. Because it would be kind of unprecedented for them to do like a sort of more soft, mellow song at an award show. I feel like you don't see that at the Asian award shows a lot. Unless it's like a straight up ballad belter like out there. Balladeer? A balladeer. A balladeer. 
That's what it's called. You know, about what I know. I know. It's what you, you. I know. That's obviously the word for it. But it like it always brings to mind like the old school ones. You know, like in the medieval times with like uh, that round <laughs> guitar. Like when you that. said old school, my brain went to the sixties. So when you said oh. the medieval times, I was like, uh. no, no, I'm like. <laughs> way back back in time so <laughs> it, it, does, it do be really funny when people talk yeah. about like really like distant history yeah almost as if it was recent history like if you walk around wearing like i don't know some jesus sandals and somebody be like that's <laughs> retro and i'll be like what <laughs> like retro means like the 70s or the 80s like not the the first millennium like y'all tripping <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so the next story is about Block B's Park Young, who accused artists of is it Sagegi or Sajegi? No, Sagegi, right? Sajegi. Sajegi. That's how you pronounce it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so he um, accused artists of Sagegi. Um and Girl, you he still actually, said it wrong. You said it right, and then you turned around and said <laughs> it wrong immediately. <laughs> it is sadegi. 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 Oh, sadegi. Okay. Yes. So you pronounce the J and the G, the G like like you would in like English. What G? Where, where, where's the oh, G? Oh no, no, you know what? Like the romance. I'm looking talking about the romance version of it. Like That's the what I'm saying. Like, version of it. There's yeah. only one G. No, but it's a S. So if you're writing it, it's S A J A E G I. Oh, so you're asking so, if the G sounds like a G or exactly, like the G. exactly. Okay. Yeah, because no. I know the the G and the. I know sometimes they can kind of sound very similar in some way. That's so I'm just like that's why confused. romanization is very trash because. If you read the Hangul, the like the letters, like it, it looks nothing yeah. alike. Like so, like the Korean letters, the mm-hmm. letter that often gets romanized as J, yeah, that letter, it's nothing like the letter that gets romanized as G. So the letter that gets romanized as J is Jit, okay, mm-hmm. and the letter that gets romanized as G is Kyop. And it okay. actually sounds somewhere between a G and a K, so like Kyok. So like when people like Romanize things, it throws you off because in English you can say G like J or G, but in Korean you can only say Kyok like like G. You can't say it like J. It doesn't sound uh, like that. Okay, I see. I see. Because it's Sajigi. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Sajigi. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I should probably like probably pay more attention to like the Hangul spelling because I actually like I'm pretty good with the alphabet. Mm-hmm. Like it's just when it's rom- it's usually the romanticization of these words that usually throws me off. Yeah, like, looks- how am I supposed to pronounce this again? Is that like, huh? Honestly, <laughs> when I see people like when I see people write the song lyrics of like K-pop songs and the romanization, I get so confused. I'd be like, how do you say this stuff? Because it, yeah. it's not intuitive. No, it's not at all. But yes, so uh, Park Kyung posted a tweet accusing Vibe, Song Hei, Lim, Jaehyun, Jeon Sang-kun, and Jang Dok-cho, and Hwang In-wook of Sajegi. Uh, and the aforementioned artists all warned of legal action against Park Kyung for defamation, obviously. So basically, like, it looks like as of a couple of days ago, two of the artists already 
officially filed complaints against him and his agency, which are Vibe and Song Hye Yi. And I mean, basically, it's kind of an interesting story because I feel like there's been a lot more reports on Sejigi, especially this year. And also last year, I don't know if you remember when that random dude, his his song was like on the chart. Yeah, Sean. What was his I name? Like Sean, right? Song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Home. So basically, because he was charting during the time when the charts are kind of dead, and that's when he was like peaking on the chart, everybody was like, uh, this is fake. Nobody ever heard of this guy. Everybody's confused. And because also there's like all these rumors about these like sort of like Chinese companies that sort of will manipulate the charts by like mass streaming and kind of like putting your song in specific places so that it plays a lot or it pops up on playlists. So because there's, there's, you know, companies you can pay for these things, they felt that it was kind of suspicious with the Sean situation. And, you know, (laughs) I don't know, like it, it's interesting to see that he's actually like mentioning names because as I mentioned before, Koreans will be quick to see you for, you know, you saying like, oh, her hair is is pink and it's really blue. Like you can sue somebody for that, you know, kind of thing. And so I'm kind of surprised that he went all out and was like, yeah, it's these people. But at the end of the day, like <sighs> your biggest e- export musically is K-pop. And K-pop is, like, known for chart manipulations. I mean, you have people who stream albums, you know, like, they have chats. They have, like, group chats so that they can organize how to stream, an art, like, an album. You know, they give out keys and they give out, like, tokens and stuff like that. They give you fake passwords so you can log on to, like, Korean sites like Melon and whatnot so you can stream the music there so that it counts towards the Korean charts. It's like, once again who cares at the end of the day <laughs> i just feel like it's so weird that, that, that that's such a obviously don't get me wrong like there's it's not honorable it's not something that I, like i'm celebrating it's not something if somebody's cheating their way to the top so to speak like for example how people said that yg was paying for ad space on all k-pop videos to get I think it was Kill This Love, actually. Yes. To, like, the number one video. Yes. I remember that. I was like, first of all, I didn't even know you could do that. Like, I knew you could buy ads, but I didn't know that those ads counted towards your total view count on your YouTube video. Yes. Basically, any, like, that's why, I don't know if you've ever noticed, they have, like, those, like, three-hour loops of a single song on YouTube. That's, yeah, that's another thing. You know, did you ever hear of that? I don't know if it was a Bollywood song or if it was a song by an Indian artist that had, like, the most views on YouTube or something like that. And it was mostly because I think his song sort of came up on ads. And so, like... I do vaguely remember hearing something like this. Because it was, like, an interesting story and how you can kind of, like, game the system, but, like, legally game the system you but know I mean, like if it's something that you can do and you t- you're smart enough to take advantage of it i guess people can't be too mad i mean is it dishonorable yes i'm not gonna pretend yeah. like it's the the honorable way to get streams or views or money because it to me it don't really make no sense there's a lot of truth in in like what the whole idea of it but does it matter no i mean in america basically you know the radio stations are very important are very powerful because they determine what gets played and what gets played is is sort of what introduces a lot of people to music. So in some ways you want to make sure that you're on friendly terms with radio DJs and with, you know, the people at the top who determine, you know, what gets 
to go on the platforms that they get on. So it's in some ways, it's the same sort of story. It's like, it's not really about the music. It's about, you know, the people manipulating things behind the scenes. Well, I mean, this is a story that's sort of continuing here. I mean, we'll see. I I feel like these artists are going to sue him. Like, I I genuinely feel like that's going to be like the thing that's going to happen here. I don't know if he cares. I mean, I don't know if he has money to pay these people, but you know, I'm going to continue following and see what happens because I don't think that it's going to change how the industry operates because it it still puts so much money in the people at the top's pockets. Why would they want to change it? You know, for integrity yeah. purposes? Ah, uh, are you kidding me? So I was like, come on. Hey, some of them have integrity. <laughs> so the next story is Ciel has broken out of her bondage. She has escaped from the YGE basement and she got some sun in her face, opened her YouTube account, and now she's dropping new music. Surprise! <laughs> it all happened so quickly. Right? It's, I feel like it's been a week or maybe even less than. So basically she teased some music. It was like a, maybe like a four minute video or something like that on YouTube. But she teased some music that she's going to be dropping. And it's not just one song. Kind of excited when I heard it because I am wishing for the best for CL. But also it's kind of like... <sighs> Girl, I can't be any more of like hello bitches, like and lifted and the baddest female. I mean, uh, it just can't be. I, I, I'm not liking that song. Those songs, I'm not liking them at all. So, <laughs> you know, I'm hoping that it's something a little bit more diverse that shows off singing and her rapping skills, but it's not too tryhardy. So basically, she's going to release two new songs each week for a total of three weeks, sharing six new songs. And the project album is called In the Name of Love, and it's going to kick off on December fourth. And I mean, we know that she has like tons and tons and tons of music she recorded with with YGE that they refused to pretty much let her perform and and promote. So I'm sure it's probably music in that vein, unless they were super petty and and told her she couldn't take anything with her. But I'm I'm wishing Seal the best, you know, like she has had a rough time of it, even being a part of like one of the most iconic K-pop groups ever to have existed and you know she really loves making music and she really wanted to share that with with her fans and just the public and they denied her for god knows what reasons and they lost somebody who was very dedicated to the company and who had such a good you know sort of connection with the other idols there i'm sure she felt like she was at home with them and they were like her sisters and her brothers and Dara is still there. I think Dara did step down from her position. She like had some sort of like non-musical role there. And I think she stepped down. So maybe she'll be the next to leave. And we might get some more 21 if they're not at YG. And they can do, you know, basically whatever they want. That's my hope anyways. Do you have any thoughts? Uh, not particularly, but good on yeah. her for getting out. I I got this information from our, our Twitter page and I saw your comment about me not liking Pied Piper. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, the instrumental's great. You know, the vocals are kind of okay. It's just like, there's something missing from that song for me. But it is a good song. I'm not saying it's a bad song. I'm just saying it's not, you know, I still like the EXO's, you know, say song version of that song. But going on to the next topic, <laughs> Blackpink in your area? Question, question. 
So there are some hints of a comeback from Blackpink for, I believe, early 2020, which is surprising because we were told that we would be getting some solos. Obviously, as you can see, there are no solos. Actually, I feel like outside of their tours and fan parties, we haven't heard really much from Blackpink lately. I don't know if that's a good thing since they have been working hard for most of the year since, you know, they were bankrolling their company. But they have sort of fallen off the map and I haven't even heard of them being at any of the end of the year award shows. So just kind of puzzling. But yeah, they are sort of kind of doing, I guess, their own solo things. And we saw Lisa had that video of her quote unquote dancing and... We're, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but some people were trying to say that she was mouthing the words to the song, including the N-word, when she clearly wasn't. Like, I mean, I watched the video a couple of times and I'm like, um, she's mouthing some of the words of the songs, but not that word. So I don't know. People are just looking for drama wherever they can find it, you know, especially if it's it's like, oh, well, my Opa did this, but Lisa did this and you're not saying anything about it, you know, kind of thing. But uh, I mean, y'all can prove me wrong, but I didn't see anything. And yeah, it just looks like the other members are sort of like, you know, just having some downtime, which they deserve. Uh, but yeah, I'm kind of excited because I, while I did not hate Kill This Love eventually, I wasn't a big fan of the MIDI. So I'm hoping they get back to sort of square up um, because I really, really like that MIDI. Mm. And um, I'm hoping that, you know, maybe they even have a full album this time. <gasps> surprises you know like i i would be very shocked if that was the case but i'm hoping for it <laughs> and our next topic is twitter making it made an announcement that they are going to be um deleting all inactive accounts and uh so i can't remember when they did it they made this announcement. It was earlier in the week, though. And a lot of people came out sort of saying that they did not want that, mostly because of inactive accounts due to deaths or whatnot. They, they sort of wanted to maintain that in their memory. And it, no one was more vocal than the Shaols, of course, because Junghyun, Junghyun did have a uh, Twitter account and they wanted to preserve his memory. Understandable. I mean, I think I'm still following him on Instagram for that reason. So Twitter took back that decision later on to delete inactive accounts. And I think there's like maybe a mention like it might only impact the EU for now and that they've already or they've always had an inactive account policy, but didn't enforce it consistently. But they're going to start with the EU in part due to local privacy regulations. But they they did say that they heard the the, the outrage and outcry and that, you know, they've understood understanding the impacts for accounts of the disease. And this was a miss on their part. So basically, they said we will not be removing any inactive accounts until we create a new way to for people to memorialize accounts. And I mean, I think that's pretty awesome. I know we don't really. It's easy to talk about the negative things or the bad things that happen more so than the wins. And But I, I, I do count this as a win. And this is definitely something that will help preserve the memory of Jung-hoon, you know, not just in the hearts of his fans, but like just, you know, uh, his communication with with his fans and 
his his expression through his social media, which is very important. So I'm glad that Twitter heard this and they decided that they're going to go a different route and they're going to find a way for you to to honor and and always sort of remember deceased people who still have active Twitter accounts. And I don't know if you noticed, but Taeyang from Big Bang was quick to, as soon as he saw the news that they were going to delete inactive accounts, he went into his account and he posted like just a, re- a generic tweet just to sort of keep his account active. So I'm not sure what that is, what that's really about since I don't really recall him being as active on Twitter. Maybe my memory is like failing me. People that really likes to lurk or search his own name. That's true. I I definitely see him searching his own name. <laughs> I definitely see it. <laughs> Good stuff, Twitter. I like that. It's a, I think. You know, people do memorialize those accounts. People, there's actually accounts dedicated to going back and t- retweeting tweet like older tweets from like K-pop accounts. You know, whether like any account, regardless of you know if they are you know still with us or not, they still go back into the past. And because it's always fun to see like things that happened years ago. You know what I mean? It's just interesting that type of thing. So I think that's pretty cool of Twitter to you know. We rethink that and find a way to archive those those accounts or, or memorialize them in some way. Yeah, I agree. Definitely, definitely agree. And I, you know, the power of fandom in a positive way. Who knew? Who knew that it was possible? <laughs> so the next topic is going to be the Asia Artist Awards, uh, which happened, I believe, at the end of last week, around the weekend. And I mean, it was kind of a big deal because of the winners of this award. Like the the main awards, which are called Desangs, went to Red Velvet for the mind-boggling song of Oompa Oompa. And then GOT7 got Performance of the Year, Twice Took Home Artist of the Year, and I believe 17 Took Home Album of the Year for N Ode. And, you know, there were a lot of other awards that went to the Focus Awards for Singer went to Luna. And I think Luna was like the first group, girl group to win this award. Either that or the Popularity Award. It was one of them. Uh, Momoland, talking about Momoland, they won an award for Choice Singer. We had Best Emotive Singer, which is a category, apparently, went to King Daniel. Best K-Culture, whatever that means, went to GOT7. Best Musician went to New West. Top of K-Pop Record went to Super Junior. Best Artist in the Singing category went to Zifo. The AAA Rookie Award went to Ab6, Itzy, and Text. Potential. <laughs> the AAA Potential. <laughs> Which I think is sort of a backhanded compliment, personally. In the Singing category went to Kang Daniel and Snooper. The Triple A Groove went to Stray Kids and G Silent G Idol. And I think that was it. No, for singing, we had some more. We had Best Producer, which went to Zico. Best Social Artist, Singer went to Twice in 17. And Girls' Generation's Yuna went, won a couple of awards as well, too, I think. So a lot of people were a little surprised that BTS did not win a single award. I feel like it's the first award show since they came, they got their come up where they have not won a single award. And while I, I think it's cool because it gives 
other boy groups the opportunity to win awards <laughs> because I mean BTS has been such a dominating force in terms of art of album sales and you know singles and you know what they're doing here especially in 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 the West and and music video views and things like that and the social media the social aspect or social awards that they keep winning it it's, hasn't given other groups a chance to shine even when the material is totally worthy of it so in this like I mean, I would have assumed that they would have won album of the year and it went to 17 who, you know, rightfully deserved it based on the sales that they made and and just the reaction and the consistency of their work as well, too. I'm not a huge 17 fan. I'm definitely not a carrot, but I do appreciate a lot of the songs that I've heard. I mean, I I don't hate it. So it, it is kind of like an interesting thing where it can be seen as more of the K-pop way where when you show up, you win. And since BT did not show up, they did not win. But I think that there's positive positives and negatives to this situation. And I think honestly the biggest travesty at this is that Oompa Oompa won for song of the year. I think that that's like like how does it even happen? What is what is even going on? But that's just my opinion. <laughs> what do you guys think? I mean for me like k-pop awards like i just <laughs> i just have such a low expectations as far as they're concerned so for me you know the winners are just like i'm the same way i'm just like you know show if you show up you know then you'll get an award sort of deal and i think like there's always been kind of a prevailing belief among certain parts of fandom that with bts despite their global success, there's still kind of an, a thing with Korean fans or Korean K-pop fans where they're popular because of everything that they've achieved, but at the same time, the their, mm, I don't know how to say it, they're not still not as beloved as other groups in Korea despite their success, I guess you could say, you know, it's, it's still not, they still don't have the same level of, I don't know if I can say like respect, but, you know, just they, like Korea has, you know, I guess more of a, there's more of an intensity of love there for other groups than say BTS, because they're, claim to fame as being their global like domination I guess you could say so that could be you know maybe a reason for them not dominating so heavily in some of these award shows because at the end of the day you know a lot of what they've been doing in the past year or so has been more like internationally focused um, not so much focused in Korea, I guess you could say, but yeah. Well, all right. So Axel recently dropped their latest album, Obsession, and it's fantastic. (laughs) I love it a lot. I actually haven't come across a song that I hated yet. There are definitely songs that I love the most, like Obsession, which we we watched the music video earlier today. Trouble, yes. Groove, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Baby You Are? Yes. Butterfly? Yes. 
the other songs are growing on me, but those are like my top songs. Obviously, like I like this album is just just like black music through the ages in some ways. <laughs> like Groove is such an old school song with such an old school feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Samples the iconic SWV with You Are The One. I don't know. It's just like the whole album. You know what? I just want to mention that I was thinking of that. That was what I was thinking of them sampling earlier. It's not Obsession. <laughs> it's Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did the sample. Oh, yeah, yes. I mean, I do think I can't place it, but I'm pretty sure like the I Want You in Obsession is a sample too. I just don't know. I can't remember where it's from, but it sounds very familiar. But yeah, I don't, I just think it's a fantastic album. I think that it would be definitely like God territory like or godly territory if we're talking about like top tier K-pop. Like if Dio was here and he was putting some, you know, some of the the smooth R&B sound on some of those tracks. I'm actually really excited thinking about it. I think they should have just let him out of the army for like a couple of days so he could record with them. That's my personal opinion because I feel like this music was made for him, but I love it. I feel like everybody shines really well on these albums and there's, I mean, obviously as SME, they, they put so much work in the production to make it perfect. And I mean, the songs are just so freaking good i i haven't really wanted to listen to cape to a exo album since like oh my god i can't remember the last time i listened to a, like i went out of my way to listen to a full exo album when it dropped probably not since like overdose i'm gonna be very honest i feel like i've listened to like here or there like ooh la la and like some other other songs but i haven't really been like that hyped on listening to a full exo song album sorry in a while and so this was like, this dropped and because I liked Obsession so much, I wanted to listen to the album and I've been just listening to it on loop along with Supreme, of course. But I love the album. I think it's fantastic. I think it's one of the strongest albums of the year as well. What do you guys think? I definitely really, really love Baby You Are and Ya Ya Ya. Considering, I'm trying to think of what new albums I listened to this year. Definitely I listened to Super M. I listened to Map of the Soul Persona. I listened to, I want to say, I don't know if it was... I think Luna's album was a repackage, but I did listen to that. I listened to Tech's entire album. Those are the albums that I definitely remember listening to, the full albums. And I feel like, to me, it is a strong album. It's weird how this album is because I can listen to each song and recognize, oh, like, objectively, this is a good song. But the only song that I, th- I feel like the song that stands out to me the absolute most is Baby You Are. And I think with Ya Ya Ya, it stands out because obviously the sample, but Baby R has something special about it. And it's the only song off of this album that I feel like I'm definitely going to like add to like a repeat listen playlist. That being said, I do think this is like an album that it's an album where I can almost listen to the full album, like from, from the first song to the last song, like without any skips. But the, like I said, my only skip is Obsession. Like, I would skip Obsession if I listened to the album, like, from beginning to end. Just because it's just not for me. It, it wasn't meant for me. So, but yeah, it, it's a strong album. Like I said, Baby You Are, that's one of the best EXO songs I think I've ever heard. It's It, it definitely gave us a mature concept. It gave us a grown concept. It, it gave us a concept that I felt like worked with the members that are not in the military right now. 
as well as one that once the members come back, I feel like they can still all perform these songs together and still sound just as good. So, I don't know. This one, it's a good one. This is my first, I want to say, full listen through EXO album on purpose. Because I did listen to other albums in the past, but not every single song. And definitely not on purpose. Ash? I have not listened to the album as of yet, but Obsession is definitely not it's not my favorite by them but it sounds like that because it has more of an edge to it as far as the sound i like more of the pure r&b sound that you know exo tends to do so and it sounds like that that there's definitely more of that on the album which is good and i know people were kind of you know questioning you know how they would sound without dio and schumann so, but it sounds like they're, and it looks like they're doing just fine. So I'll definitely get around to listening to it. I'm definitely not the type of person that listens to a whole lot of EXO in my playlist, but they do have bops in their, you know, in their catalog. So I definitely will take a listen and see what they've got. All right. Wonderful. I, I do hope you guys listen to it and that we can discuss it further because yes, this album is so good. So our next topic, Billboard recently released an article where they had some of their K-pop journalists, I think about five of them come together and create the list of the 100 greatest K-pop songs of the 2010s. And it was a staff list and like they listed all of the, like these hundred songs and they gave little blurbs about each of the song and why they picked it. And <laughs> the list itself is very interesting. I think that it had a, like, a really good mix of what we think of as traditional K-pop music, you know, in terms of girl band, boy band, kind of idol music. But they also included some indie artists. They included some hip hop artists to sort of give it a well-roundedness that I think that it, it deserved, you know, obviously. And there were a lot of controversial choices, <laughs> I will just say. Um, I personally, I like the list, but there are some songs in some positions that I just could not stand by. I just could not. And I mean, uh, if you guys follow us on Twitter, which you guys absolutely should, because we are hilarious. And <laughs> if you follow us on Twitter, you would have seen that we had some choice opinions. Maybe I think I was just the one who had some choice opinions on it. Uh, but there's definitely some choice opinions on the Twitter feed about gatekeeping and the people who make these lists and sort of a disconnect to K-pop itself and what people are actually listening to versus what may be seen as more popular music and popular choices to select. I will say that some of my favorite songs are on here. Definitely like Sistars Alone. Oh My Girls Closer, Dal Shabed, Subin, Circle Dream. They had If We Do by GOT7, which I've been listening to a lot more lately, surprisingly. Twice as Fancy was on here. They had View, Move by Taman, obviously fantastic song. I would say that for the most part, I did agree with the list and I did agree with what they chose. I just like, you can't talk about K-pop in my opinion and put like 
Like one example of something that I just thought was just really, really ridiculous was Fantastic Baby at 65. Now, anybody in K-pop, anybody in Korea, anybody who listens to, you know, Korean music knows Fantastic Baby. It is like iconic. It is that song that that they perform at the end of award shows, even if it's not their latest song, even if they haven't like you, they released the Maid series and they still performed Fantastic Baby at the end of their performance because it's that song. For the while, the longest time too, it was like the most viewed K-pop music video on YouTube. It's iconic. It it is just that song that people tend to know that people, you know, like when they perform it live, you can't help but like kind of bop around because it is I'm not saying like it's the greatest song ever created, but it is a pretty fantastic, airwormy, catchy song. Now, why is the song at 65? <laughs> you know, like it just doesn't make sense to me. I think the most polarizing thing, one of the reasons that I had to be like this, this, this cannot stand is they selected Red Velvet's Red Flavor and they placed that as the number two song of the 2010s. Now, when Red Velvet dropped Red Flavor, it was a hit, an instant hit. It was a smash. It was a, it's a good song. I'm not actually denying that fact. Is it the best Red Velvet song? Debatable. Is it the number two song of the 2010s? Absolutely not. (laughs) It's just really crazy to me that that was selected in the position it was selected in. And I mean, I was very vocal about it and a lot of people were very vocal about the list and sort of the people who decide what is top tier K-pop and how it is. It usually does sort of exclude black voices. But yeah, that I don't know. I like I, I have a lot of thoughts on this this list and I have pushed the other members of this podcast to make our own list. So look out for that. And what else, what do you guys think about this list? Are you do you agree? I what I have some things to say, okay? Cause my agree and disagree is gonna be a little different because number one, about eighty percent of those songs I probably hadn't even heard before. Okay, maybe like seventy percent I hadn't even heard before. But also my grievances are less with like what was on the list but and more so with like how it was ordered. So let's start with the easy part. First and foremost, I agree with Love Scenario at 25, I believe, and Shine by Pentagon at 35, because I feel like those were incredible songs, but I feel like Love Scenario did not end up having the longevity that it needed to have. And I think Shine, I don't know what what it is. It just, I feel like like, if you were to ask me personally, I think Shine is up there with Love Scenario. But I'm talking like, I guess I'm speaking objectively. Love Scenario has a more approachable sound to it. So I can see how somebody would rank it the 25th top, top you know, K-pop song of the decade, right? But with that being said, those are things I do agree with, even though I can see why one would think I wouldn't agree with them. In terms of the stuff that I don't agree with, okay? Obviously, Red Flavor does not even need to be on the list, let alone be number two. That's just my personal opinion. It's a catchy song. I've heard it a lot. I I will, you know, 
I've seen it in a K drama, <laughs> um, but I, I just don't think it's as good as a lot of those songs on that list, and it doesn't really need to be on there. And it's also not as good as a lot of songs that were left off the list. So yeah, I don't agree with Red Flavor. I, I think it needs to be much lower. If you're gonna put it on the list, it needs to be in like the. It needs to be between seventy five and a hundred. Would you agree or disagree, Matt? I would actually place it higher. I would probably place it in like the top. See, okay. It depends. It depends on if you are selecting any other Red Velvet song. I am. Because personally, personally, like for me, I think that Dum Dum was a, like I prefer it. And I thought it was sort it of It was like, a way bigger song. It was a I bigger mean, song for Red Velvet. It was sort of like, like Ice Cream Cake is actually my favorite Red Velvet song. But Dum Dum is when they sort of arrived. So I would have place that higher than red flavor i thought ice cream I, cake higher than red flavor too oh yeah no i they love both have said. bigger significance for yeah. red velvet than red flavor does yeah and bad boy i hate bad boy i i don't know if i ever mentioned this but i actually dislike that song i don't think wow. they pull it off at all i don't i just don't think I, it's a great song i just don't think they pull it off we're gonna so. okay we're gonna all right. Well, let me okay. I do agree with I do agree with that, Nat. I I don't agree with not liking the song, but yeah. I do agree with the performance aspects. Oh, the okay. performance aspect is different. Yeah. I, let me. Yeah. Okay, we'll get there because we're almost there. So, and then my next grievance is energetic at twenty three. One on one, I don't know what they did to people to make them think they were so good, but one on one has one good song and it's not energetic. So that's out of the question. Energetic is not a top twenty five song of the decade. Are you? You no, you're, you're kidding me. So energetic to me doesn't belong on the list. But if it had to be on the list, it's not top twenty-five to me. It's it's more like between I'll put it probably between fifty and sixty around there. Now this is where we're gonna have some disagreements because I personally think that Bad Boys are top. It's a top twenty song for me. I think it should have been twenty-seven. It should have been more like eighteen or nineteen. <laughs> it was that good to me. I don't know if I would put it that high, only because I have to think of, and I feel like they may have been cheated a little bit, like with second gen songs, because people tend to forget. Um, you know, there's a lot of significant songs from that decade that also yep. need to go up on that list. So I think when you're looking at second gen songs from second gen artists, you know, that pushes some of these newer songs that we may have more uh, memory of, pushes them down a little lower. That, That's just yeah. for me. And, that, and that, that's totally fair. I think that my issue is that I'm coming from from perspective of somebody who really is, I think most of the, the older stuff that I consume from the early 2010s is coming from, it's coming from Shiny. Like, <laughs> it's not really coming from a lot of sources. So, of course, it's going to make my list a little bit different. Obviously, I did mm. listen to a lot of second-gen songs, but I think that what stuck with me more so was, like, shiny songs. So, if I'm ranking a top 20, it's easy for a bad boy to sneak in there because it's not really competing with a lot of other stuff in the same way that it might be for you guys, who probably, you guys listen to a lot of, like, second-gen girl groups, and I just don't. That's just nothing against them I, I just don't so mm-hmm. but that's just my personal thing so i think that bad boy was way too low to me not even way too low it was just a little too low now one thing that i do think is way too low 
And this is gonna yeah. this is a hot take because Big I know you, huh? Big Bang's a uh, bad boy because that was way too high. No, you guys huh? are going to really disagree. But sure. I personally think that this next song I'm about to name, this next song should have been at the very least in the top fifty. Sure. Because I consider it the second best debut song of all time that I've ever heard. And that is The Seventh Sense. I don't know. I don't think it should be 83. That is no, way I think it should be higher. Me. I think it should be higher, too. I, I definitely think it's, it cracks top 50. I do. Because I, I personally think it's, it's such a... I think you have to take in the fact, too, that it's a debut song. Like, I think that adds something to it. Like, if you come out the gate barking like that, like, come on now. I think you that's impact right there. So that should be higher than 83. That cracks top 50. Move is another song that should be high. First and foremost, there is no, there is no planet where move should be lower than one of ones energetic. I don't understand that. That's just not facts to me. Move is ranked 85 on this list. Move cracks top 50 as well. Period. Point blank. I, it's just everything about the song. Some people don't like the performance, which is shocking to me because I think it's incredible performance. It's incredibly artistic, but I think Move needs to be higher. Now, the one song that I feel like to me is a top 30, if not top 20 song Mm -hmm. that for some reason is number 90 is View. I don't get how View is not easily a top 30 song of the decade, if not top 20. Actually, View to me is higher than Bad Boy. So View would be higher than top 20, in my opinion. I would put that easily number 15, 16 in my ranking. But I could see how, not saying that it should be, but I can see how if they're looking at, which I, they probably were, looking at songs that were mainly, you know, like high impact. Right. And songs that made like an impact, you know, and were, you know, had the everyone doing the dances and everything and and, you know, seeing the lyric, you know, things that were if that's widespread. Like no songs need to be on there then. If you look at the songs that really go viral and like people do the dances and it's like a natural going viral, it's the growth mm-hmm. of stuff. Like every time somebody like you know, watches K-pop for the first time, they look at that twice choreography, they go, okay, let me hit a little two-step right along with them. <laughs> You're not doing that with no blood, sweat, and tears. You don't you have to sit here and, and perform that whole routine. Like, you're not about to do that. But I get where you're coming from. Like, it's not a commercially... Shiny has never been that big group that was going to pull all these numbers out the wazoo. But I still feel like if, if there's a difference between the best songs and the greatest. We talk about this all the time in sports, too. So, like, for example, there's the argument about is LeBron James the greatest basketball player of all time, the greatest NBA player of all time. Well, the thing about the term the greatest is that greatest is different from best. Best is just about talent and about what, what you put out there, the artistry in, in this scenario. But if we talk about basketball, it's about the talent, right? Greatest is about the accolades, the, how, how decorated it is. So, of course, a song like Monster might be considered greater than View because Monster ha- was a monster hit for EXO. But View, I feel like, is a better song. It just sounds better. Everything about it is better. And that's not even me being a shiny fangirl, a homer. It's just the facts. So, so what do we think this the list should be more focused on? Like the if, if songs? 
If they're talking about like, the best K-pop songs, it needs to be focused on the actual art. It should not be focused on the accolades because if that's the case, Oompa Oompa is the greatest song of all time. And we know that's not <laughs> Yeah, that no, I absolutely agree. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Like, it's crazy, like, in terms of the impact and the things that really, like, change the game or, like, you know, brought in new trends, you know, like, or, like, you know, became viral hits, things like that. I think that's like, those are very important because I mean, if we're really going by numbers, I mean, I feel like size Gangnam Style would probably be, should be at the top. Then. Yeah, that should be the yeah. best song yeah. of the decade. Yeah. So it's, and it's not. So, I mean, it's not for a reason because like, I mean, I, I mean, this is probably just like, you know, their own personal opinions versus like, you know, if they, I don't know what they were thinking when they made the list. If they were thinking just like the songs that they enjoyed of the decade versus like what had the most impact. I mean, I don't think it could be about impact because they didn't even put Gashina on here. They put heroin from Sumni. Yeah. So it's like, like, what, what is your you criteria? Even, really yeah, what's make even going on here? Because yeah. I mean, I personally would put Blood, Sweat, and Tears in the top ten. I, I probably would because right. I like I. I mean, if we're talking about impact and we're talking about, you know, just like how it changed the game, like that was like what led to BTS being at the Billboard or American Music Awards. Sorry. So it's like I'm definitely feel like it is impactful and that it yeah, does. Yeah, it has. It sort she of, has impact, yeah. sis. This is why you know, we and I do think to, the, to these songs when we do our yeah. ranking episode yeah. together. Yeah, if we're gonna um, make a list like they did, so that we can come to like, like you know, some sort of agreement, because I feel like that's another thing reason why their list is probably a little bit kind of weird because you had like a bunch of people coming together to make a list, and it doesn't seem like they had a criteria that they was really focusing on. Yeah, um, like they may not have had themselves really a definite, you know, well, this is going to be based on impact, or this is they just kind of picked whatever they felt was yeah. Because the best me, without really yeah. saying what the best was, you know. So, I got bad boy at number eight. Like, I have one more grievance uh, with <laughs> one particular yeah. song in the way yes. it's ranked. And sure. this is just, this is, of course, more personal for me, but I truly think Breathe by Lehigh did not need to be 92. She needed to be more like at least top 75, I would say. I wouldn't put her top 50, but I think the way she performs the song, I think, and I think part of it is suffers because it's a ballad. I think a lot of that, that's another way you have to look at it too. A lot of songs suffer just because of the type of song that it is. And you yeah. know how we talk about like how there's songs that are great because they're mood songs. Like yes. for example, me and that was talking about this with Ash when we reviewed no, Super M's album. And we were saying Too Fast is like a great song whenever. But No Manners is a great song, but you also kind of, it's like a vibey kind of song. You're not going to get hyped to it. You know what I mean? And sometimes people, like, they're not clear about when they put that type of thing into their, you know what I mean? When they consider that type of thing. So I feel like that's another thing. It kind of suffers because it's a ballad, but Breathe is an incredible song. It's a very, like, it's a very emotional song. It's not sad. It's just emotional. It's like... I mean, I guess you could say it's sad, but it it, ha- it just brings you to a different place. And that's what makes it one of the best songs, one of the top 75 songs of the decade. And 
those are my main grievances. Like, I didn't really disagree with Sherlock being number six because either way you look at it, Sherlock is not only a commercial, like commercially successful song, but it's also just a really good shiny song. Yeah, it's just it really a song is. that people love. You know, um, mm-hmm. there's other and things that I could have disagreed with, but I'm not that petty. Like, I don't think Vix should have been as high as they were on that list because I didn't. And with Shangri La too, I was yeah, like, they have better I'm pretty songs. sure they have better songs. <laughs> Shangri La is. Shangri-La is kind of like their... That is their coming out party, I would say. Yeah, that's, that's really like the song. You know, like people mention Vix, they mention Shangri-La because that was, it has so much style and it was very much, you know, Vix giving out, you know, all of themselves into like the performance and it got so much noise when it came out. So it did, but I, feel I can like, see I that. still personally feel like, and another, like I still personally feel like chained up goes synonymous with Vix with me, just like with one-on-one, I think of light, like automatic. I don't even think of energetic. I know that's their song. Like that's their hit or whatever, but I just, I just don't think of that for some reason. I don't know why that is. Maybe I just have this internal bias inside of me, but I can't wait until we do our own version of this. Cause, and, and, and honestly, we should make the rules right now because, girl, if we don't, we're going to have a lot of B-sides. We're going to have a lot of... Because a lot of my favorite songs are B-sides. I don't really mess with titles. Um, well, I already made a list of my top 100 tracks, and I think there are B-sides on there. I think... <laughs> I mean, really, even though Ice Cream Cake is my favorite Red Velvet title track... Body Talk is my favorite Red Velvet song. It's actually one of my favorite K-pop songs of all times. So I have that on the list. We <laughs> so. definitely need to explore, like, when you guys say, like, Bad Boy, they didn't pull off Bad Boy. Because yeah. I and I feel like the music video, they convinced me. But I feel like the performative aspect, of, like, I feel like the music video, like, the setting and, like, what was happening in it convinced me. I, I can see that if, or did you guys mean more so like the way they sang the song? Because I thought they the, the way they sang the song convinced me as well. I mean, when I think about like my songs, I usually don't really, I guess for me personally, I don't really count the MV in, I think involved what you guys meant the, when you said the performance though. Oh, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I think about like when they performed it on performance shows, which is an ongoing problem with Red Velvet, Red Velvet and me anyway, as far as how they interpret their singles. Although I heard that they're supposedly better in concert, but I've never mm-hmm. seen them. They're so not. I, I, I've seen things. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> I am shocked well, that there's no Blackpink yeah. that I saw. Was there any Blackpink at all on that list? Whistle was on there. But oh, it was pretty high. I just want to complain about one more thing. Okay, they have the nerve to put Twenty Ones. I am the best at number five, and then I got a boy at number four, <laughs> which is like, first of all, first of all. Those songs have should be. I personally, I think that those songs should have been moved, shifted a little bit up. But also, if you're gonna pick the best girl group in the 2010s, it is not Red Velvet. It is not Red Velvet. <laughs> I mean, I may I may sound like an anti. I'm not a Red Velvet anti. I'm not by any means. But like, they are kind of floppy live. I'm I'm just gonna be honest. For me, their I'm impact they're, they're is totally not floppy. the same impact as to anyone. They have no impact. I or an, or SNSD. They have, yeah, they have no impact in 
Like their music is good, but they did not do anything that changed the game. They didn't do anything like the Wonder Girls with like their band concept and with nobody. They didn't do anything like 21 with I am the best and fire. They didn't do anything like, I mean, even right now, if you're talking about the top groups in K-pop, you're talking about Twice and you're talking about Blackpink. Red Velvet is maybe a third. You know, like it's kind of weird that they had them so like so revered, I think. A lot of people list, would really be shocked that like I find in my experience, not my yes. experience, that a lot of people who are like just stand red velvet out of what seems like nowhere. Like I don't know what it's just like I just happen to look up and there's red velvet stands everywhere. Like I don't know where it came from. It's interesting. I think and I some of it is because but I, I do want to say this too. I'm kind of shocked Audrey Nice was so high because 17, if you're going off of like impact, I will argue don't want to cry have like the highest impact of any of their releases besides. That's a song that I know. So yes. Yeah, no, for real. Like <laughs> that song that I think is what really put 17, you could say it was Audrey Nice or. Any, but no, I really think Don't Wanna Cry put them on the map because I hadn't heard of them until that song. So, well, I hadn't heard of them until I listened to that song because I heard it. If that makes sense. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I didn't hear Audrey Nice first. I didn't hear any of the other songs first. I heard that one. Clap, even, you know, I heard that one. So I'm shocked by that. But also, too, they have way better songs than Audrey Nice. So that's shocking. Well, I will say that, hmm. Okay, to, to put a positive spin on this, were there songs on there that you didn't think would make the list that did make the list or you were kind of surprised at how high they were? Like for me, I was actually really happy to see After School Shampoo on here just because that song, I'm not going to lie, makes me so emotional every time I watch the music Aww. video. It's such a it's such a good song, number one, but like the acting in the music video is very, it's like very believable for some weird reason. And it, it always like makes me so sad when when the teacher like leaves and she's a, like this dance teacher. Like the story is that basically it's a dance teacher and there's a new gr- girl who joins after school and she's in love with him, but he's like not in love with her and he didn't realize he was like leading her on. So he leaves and she's all sad and the girls come together. Like, you know, they had like a, a girl moment and like, it's it's a really like, it's a really solid ep- like music video and the acting is convincing surprisingly since like not everybody in the group is an actor obviously and it is like always very emotional for me whenever i watch it because i get really involved in the storyline but it's also just like a really solid good song and i'm happy and also like i know i follow subin formerly of dal shabet on instagram and i know that she was like really happy to be listed on here with circle dream now not gonna lie Strawberry was my favorite song from her mini and her music is so good. Like it's different. It's like very indie-esque, but she, she, I think she writes and produces her own music and it's, it is like really solid for me. And I'm, I know it really meant a lot to her to be included. So I'm kind of happy that they, you know, they branched out and they didn't just put like K-pop, K-pop. Talking about Blackpink, Whistle was number 26. I don't know why it took me so long to find it on here, but yeah, it is on the list and it's it's in the top thirty. I think <laughs> I that's a little that too high. I know. I wouldn't yeah. put it that high either. <laughs> yeah, I know we're having our time like things we're happy about moment yeah. right now, but I just have to say this because I just caught it, so yeah. I have to say it really quickly. 
Yeah. Why on God's green earth is spring day number three? I saw that. I saw that too. Okay. <laughs> okay, sis. <laughs> um, I am happy. Well, how do we? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I am happy that Psy actually made it because so many, I'm like K-pop lists forget about Psy. Like, even though he had this phenomenon for a while, I'm happy yeah. that Shiny has multiple entries, even though they deserve more. I'm happy they have multiple entries because I'm, I honestly didn't know if people would even let them make it. I'm happy to see Luna on here because they're a young group, even though it's not yeah, a girlfriend, song right? I would have chose, chosen at that position. And I'm really happy to see Pentagon shine. I know I kind of yeah. just glossed over that earlier, but I love that song. And when it came out, I campaigned really hard to make you guys see and understand that it was the best song of 2018. Yeah. And, and also, uh-huh. correction, I, Love Scenario was 29, not 25. It was 29. So I'm happy to see IU on here. She's in there a lot, too. Yeah, not for any songs that I know. But I, oh, really? I say that because I know my favorite song by her is one of my favorite songs probably in K-pop. And yeah, I, I like that song so much that it made me like her, even though I don't like any of her other music that I've heard so far. <laughs> that happens. So it'd be like that, though. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Th- yeah. another thing is it's, it's also nice to see a lot of first gen and second, well, mostly, I should say second gen, these TVXQ is second gen. It's nice to yeah. see like TVXQ and like those groups that people be forgetting about. I'm shocked that Growl made it on the list. Just shocked. Because <laughs> EXO yeah. has so many songs to choose from that it's just kind of shocking to me that there's not more EXO, but also that Growl of all of their songs was one of the ones that made it. And Call it Me Baby is really high. Call Me Baby is the perfect boy band song, though. Well, it is. Growl is I would say Growl, Growl was their biggest hit. It was the one that made them popular. It was yeah, the one that brought them mainstream success. When did you say success. their biggest hit is Monster? I actually don't know. So, like, commercially? They, I, I went through like a period where I kind of started ignoring EXO stuff. So, uh, and I think it was after Call Me Baby. So, I'm also like, Call Me Baby really kind of solidified them, though. Yeah, it did because it went growl, overdose, and Call Me Baby. And a lot of people consider that like the trifecta of like old EXO, like and their rise to like dominance, which I agree on. I agree with because like those were like. I, I don't know how Coco Bob did. I don't know how like Monster did and things like that. They still did numbers. Like I don't oh, think they yeah. had an album that so like recently that sold less than a million copies. So they did numbers. Yeah. Well, Tempo is almost at two million. Yeah. So, so there, there you there go. You go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I am happy that like what's really weird is I'm looking through the list and I'm seeing a lot of like K hip hop, K R and B. Yes. All these solo artists are on here, and it's really nice to see that it looks like so far Taemin is the only quote like idol solo artist. No, Gain is on there with Mel. Oh, Mel, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. That Obviously, like IU is on here, and you like, like that, yeah. He's the only male idol solo artist, which is really interesting and intriguing because I do think that Jonghan had some songs that were I would put in the best, and I think other people in K pop would too. K-pop song, and I'm not saying that. I know it sounds super biased, but for real, he did have like some songs that were really incredibly, undeniably good, and that are are used in K dramas and whatnot. But I'm I'm not upset about that. 
I'm not upset about any of this. It's nice that Taman is actually in here. Yeah, that's pretty cool though that that he's in here. That's like the positive thing. Positive that twice is in here, even though they're in here once. No, they're in there twice with TT, <laughs> I think, and Fancy. Fancy, that's crazy that Fancy made it though, because it's like one is, of the only 2019 songs in here. Yeah, I know Fancy's fantastic though, so I'm not surprised. Um, I just want to put one of their add, best songs. Yeah, I just want to quickly say for my positive, I just want to say Rainbows A gains bloom and shoot there's something else that i really was kind of happy to see kind of surprised to see but also very happy to see Kara step ladies cold galaxy that was it yeah um, those those were songs that i was actually really happy to see as well too because they're kind of like everybody's totally forgot, forgotten about gain and rainbow disbanded and they never really hit it big and ladies cold i mean we mostly know them for the accident we most people don't really know about their music, so and Galaxy was a really good comeback. But yeah, Ash. Oh, how do we feel about the people that were picked to make this list? So it was Jeff Benjamin, Tamar Herman, Joshua Minsu Kim, who sorry, Lavanya Sink. Last oh oh wait, I can just hover over it. That works too. Bella oh wait, I don't know who this person is. It's at C-A-T-R Kelly. And the last person is Monique Melendez. So, I mean, there are people who do write for publications and they write, you know, about K-pop. From what I could tell, they are white and Asian, different types of Asian. Obviously, it's a big continent. But, you know, once again, it is sort of like black people are excluded, (laughs) Which is what I felt when I saw who was doing it, who had started created this list. And I'm not going to say that it wasn't... I don't blame anybody here because I feel like there seems like a lot of them did study journalism and now, and they love K-pop. So it makes sense that they would, you know, create a career out of that. But at the same time, it is just like this constant theme of Black people being shut out of things that especially things that they've popularized in a lot of ways and things that they have contributed to in a lot of ways. And it it's just really frustrating when I see that, you know, black people are the ones who are making podcasts. They're the ones who, you know, have these free sites that they're writing for. And then, but when you see people who actually can make money off of these industries, it's not black people. So, I mean, regardless of my opinions on the list and some of the choices that they were made, I don't really like feel any sort of negativity towards anybody who created this list because, I mean, everybody has to make a dollar. I'm not going to like stop your bag because, you know, systematic racism <laughs> exists, you know, like, like I and I don't have the power to do that anyway. So it, it is what it is. But I mean, it's just like this continual theme of people, you know, like excluding black people, like you know, commentating on things that, you know, have borrowed heavily from black people. I mean, look at the list. They had K-hip-hop, they had K-R&B, K-pop with, which, you know, is pretty much black music in a lot of ways. I mean, we're talking about giving Omarion his his flowers and his crown this today, like earlier today, because of his influence on K-pop, you know? So it, it is just really frustrating that we can never make money off of our things, you know? Or so, just even be like recognized, recognized or, or acknowledged. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, and I'm not saying like 
like as I said, like I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not here to stop anybody's bag. You know, it is, it's a hard world, and you gotta make. And like I know the writing industry is like low pay, no pay in some cases. Like it is, it is pretty hard to be a creative and make money off of it. So I totally get that. I'm not here to like shit on anybody really, but I'm just saying it's like really frustrating to see the same theme. Doesn't matter what fandom I joined, it's just a consistent theme, you know? Yeah, like, I mean, we have nothing but love for some of the people on this list. I don't know other people on this list, to be honest, who like both like the artists and the people who created the list. And it really just motivated us to make our own list. So, <laughs> which will be very interesting when we actually get it out and, and sort of bang it into shape because a hundred songs are a lot of songs. So, um, and I feel like there might be some disagreements on placements, but we shall make it work, I think. We'll see. And our last topic is actually K-pop predictions for the next decade. I mean, if somebody had asked me in 2010 if K-pop would be like mainstream, as mainstream as it is anyways right now, I would have said no, mostly because I was just getting into K-pop in 2010. But also, I mean, I just didn't see foreign pop music sort of making waves like that, mostly because I've also been into like a lot of Brit British boy bands and girl bands, and I saw that they were not making waves across the pond. So I, I made this prediction back in 2013, and yeah. people laughed. Who's oh. laughing now? Should put some money Who's on that, man. Probably yeah, I should have. <laughs> I think SM will finally debut their next goal group. I think I think that it's time for them to I mean, I don't know how many female trainees they have still over there, but I think that they might, you know, finally come out with their next group that they're trying to kind of groom as the next SNSD. And what else? I think Blackpink will finally come out with a song, like an all-English song that they'll try and promote over here in the West. And I think that, hmm, oh, Dispatch will out another couple at the beginning of the year. Oh, that's kind of their thing, no? <laughs> yeah that's what i was like that'll probably happen so i'll at least have one on the list exactly <laughs> my predictions well with sme they did say they're gonna debut a new girl group and boy group next year so that's something that will also be on the list for you <laughs> i think 21 is gonna like make moves i don't know if they can officially get back together but i feel like they're gonna collaborate maybe a little bit more Especially after that V Live that they did on their 10th anniversary. So I think that's definitely something that's going to be on the docket. I could see Kara actually like making moves to maybe not do official comeback, but like maybe do some special tracks together for their fans. And, you know, I think that was something they were like, I did hear rumors that that was something that they were sort of working on before Kuhara had passed. So. I think that's something they'll continue to do sort of like a memory of her as well. I think a lot of second gen groups that disbanded, I feel like they're going to like 
figure out new ways to be together without the traditional company. Either if it's like through a make starter or like signing with like smaller agencies. I, I do feel like there's going to be more reunions, maybe like not traditional reunions, but reunions nonetheless. I think Girls' Generation will come back and do a song together, however they do that. I probably won't be with Jessica because like they, it seems like they still kind of hate her, but <laughs> it'll be the eight girls for sure. I feel like that guy who got kicked, who, I don't know if he got kicked out or who decided to leave Beast. I think he's going to go back to Beast when he comes out of the army, just because they already lost a member because of the whole scandal. And it just makes sense that, you know, he tries to wiggle his way back in there however he can. I think Edon and Hino will get married. Girl, I think that, yeah. I can see it. Wow. You don't think so? I just feel like they see, they totally strike me as the type of couple that's like, you know, those new agey couples are like, we don't need a piece of paper to like, you know, show the world about our love. They just come off as that kind of couple. So that's kind of shocking <laughs> to hear that people think they're going to get married. Nah, Hina is definitely embracing like this really ultra, like soft feminine side. I think Edon is definitely um, putting in the work. Could you imagine Edon? Girl, what? <laughs> I mean, did you not see and hear shower, flower shower? Edon is definitely putting it down. Like, however, how Zico had Soyan so so like run into his place in those mini dresses. Did you imagine That's- him as somebody daddy though? <laughs> yeah. Girl, no. Edon is already like. Why do you think they're going to have kids right away? I feel like though that they will want to like, like get married and, and sort of like make that official. And be like not just boyfriend girlfriend, but like be that married idol couple. I feel like they're gonna like just change the game altogether in that regard. To be honest, that would be fun. That would be yeah. definitely a good thing to have come out of twenty twenty. Exactly. So I think that's gonna be a thing. I think Kang Daniel and and Jiho are also gonna like. I don't think they're gonna no. get married in the next decade, but I feel like they're gonna make. I feel honestly because of how like. They just seem like, um, I don't know most, so much about him, but she seems like the type to sort of be like very committed to, to something. I mean, she was like a 12 year trainee at JYP. She definitely sees things through to the end. Okay. And they didn't break up, which is what normal couples do in K-pop when they're outed. <laughs> so I don't know. I kind of feel like they may like last that extra decade as well, too. Next I don't think it's going to be married. Kai and Jenny going to get married. No, Kai is going to date many, many girls in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, he hasn't made his way through the idol, no. idol carousel yet. He so just don't know yeah. what he wants. Some people just there are, need to try different flavors. First. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing there's nothing wrong with that. Like, he's he definitely has other visuals that he needs to, to date. So I feel like, no, I don't think that's going to be a serious thing. I think, though, that we might get another Big Bang wedding in the next decade. I can see that. Oh, yeah. we're talking about predictions for the decade? Yeah. I wouldn't be interested in seeing, like, the next idol to create their own agency. Like, with other oh, artists. Oh, yeah. No, that's something I definitely think is going to happen. You know what I would love to see? I would yeah. love to see more idols become cartoon characters, anime characters. Yes. Like, that would be cool to me. Like, that's... Because I love cartoons, and anything is possible when you're in animation, so... Yeah, you can do no, absolutely. You want. A lot of people are going to rebel, for sure, for sure. 
a lot of people are going to become more open and honest about like what's going on in their lives. I feel like that industry is slowly going to start to transform into how our industry is. It ain't going to be nearly as open just because it's in, it's still society is still going to be slow to catch up. But they always say that, you know, re- reality imitates art. So yeah, absolutely. I think absolutely. we'll see that. Y'all think <sighs> we're going to get a, uh, y'all think we're going to get like something shocking even because, you know, now we have Alexa, right? Y'all think we're going to get any more shocks to the idol system? Being oh, yeah. We're gonna I think so. More white people. Yeah. I think <laughs> if Simon Cowell forms his own K-pop group. You know what? That's going to be in the next decade. <laughs> 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 Definitely going to be in the next decade. There's just something telling me that there's going to be like a lot of shaking up of the system. Like you might get some idols that'll do things we never thought of. You might get idols who like come out you might get idols who will just say at the police stuff like that Hmm. now i will say this and and this is a hard pill to swallow i don't think k-pop is gonna get less racist i don't i just don't Oh no i i would have never guessed or predicted that i'll be honest with you (laughs) like Mm -hmm. that's just like a lost cause i mean if if the countries we live in that have actual like large amounts of black people in it you know in comparison to Korea, cannot get their shit together. Why would I expect Korea? You know, like, why? It just, yeah, it doesn't make sense. I do think, though, that there is going to be more pushback. Like, from or, fans? Like, I hope. From fans, yes. I think there's yes. going to be more pushback from fans in terms of, like, accountability of behavior. And I think that, honestly, like, a, because of the way social media is moving, a lot of Black K-pop fans are going to, like start learning about their own power and how to use it not Mm -hmm. just you know like popularize k-pop the way that we do but like well you see already how armies international armies have bullied a big hit into into providing translations yeah (laughs) so they they now have a job posting up i saw that a translator so i, I saw mean that. that's very shocking actually yeah that's extremely yeah. shocking like i never thought that they would have budged on that so it would be interesting if sm opened up like an a, a coex rdm museum here oh yeah their one in korea is really good it's like very very informative and it, it like except for the tvxq one which completely like there's a huge ass gap it goes from like this is when they debuted and here are two members like it is actually really funny <laughs> to look at but like they they're very it's very true to the rest of the groups like snsd and shiny and fx so yeah not really well that's it probably is, it is best. true to them it is true to them but i mean i kind of just like Oh, this is super junior. Okay. I won't walk right past this. <laughs> well, no, they actually had this really okay. So, like for the Mama Sita music video, it was like this like Western theme. So they actually had like this like Western theme place where you could take a picture, and it sort of like superimposes two members of Super Junior on either side of you. Oh but yeah. You get to wear like you get to wear like a, a cowboy hat, and they get, and you get like a fake gun. So I did that. <laughs> oh, that's another one of my predictions. I think that. SM will continue to be successful with all of their groups. I don't, a lot of people think it's a hot take to say that NCT, any of the NCT units will continue to be where they are now. I think that they won't regress. I, I, I just think SM is too headstrong, like as a company, 
to lose. So I think they're going to do whatever they can to keep all of their groups, like, at, okay. at the very least, in like a top five spot. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, like, I mean, I I say a lot about Red Velvet and, like, but, I mean, they are constantly ranking on, like, the world charts and stuff. They have fans. They have people who support them 1,000% regardless oh of the quality. So, I mean, it is there. I think that, I think that regardless of how well Big Hit does, I don't think it'll ever be considered a top three. Oh, that's um, a hot take. That is a very hot take. In, yeah, I just... I, I feel like because of the artists that are signed to the other three companies and their legacy and the fact that they have more than one group making money for some, you know, I mean, we, we talk about twice bankroll in JYP, but God7 does really well as well, too. And we talk about like Blackpink and YGE and, and yeah, we talk a lot about Blackpink, you know, doing all the work in, in YG, but winner has a sizable Korean like fan base. Like they I think that's like where the majority of their fans come from. Which is surprising because, you know, YG groups usually have a lot more international fans. But they have a huge, pretty much supportive fan base oh, in Korea. That's yeah. another thing. I do I think besides like the like your Tamens and your your Boas and those types of artists I definitely think there's going to be a lot of pulling out of Japan and it's more so going to be uh, Japan pushing out than it is them willingly pulling out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause Japan's already there. like trying to push it out. Yeah. Not with the money that they're, they're making their dorm, their dorm tours and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Japan, I, like I said, it's not going to be on the K-pop and it's going to be on the Japanese and they're going to push yeah. out. It's going to be similar to China, I think. Yeah. And then they will have no choice but to like really kind of like either continue. Yeah. I really feel like that's where it's heading to the point where you have no choice but to try to like appeal to the American audience, which is tough. Like, yeah, that's not easy. Trust me. Like so many groups have tried and so many groups are still trying. And it's just not happening the way that it happened in Japan. So they're going to have to do something. Yeah. Oh, or you know what? It might for- push them to like explore the South American market more. I feel like they already, I feel like, okay, let me take that back. I feel like with SM, they're yeah. already, they got that on lock. Like SM group, SM groups, I feel like, are, I don't want to say they're always in South America, but I want to say like when they have concert tours, they usually have multiple stops in South America. SM town family goes to the South Korea, Japan and South America, Chile. So they, they, SM does a really good job with South America now, but other companies, I think that's going to be a market they need to build. Cause I feel yeah. like outside of GOT7 with JYP, I, I just haven't heard of any JYP groups touring in South America. Yeah. So Card has been there and they've actually like have been on like shows, like TV shows and stuff like that. So, I mean, I think like maybe smaller groups are exploring South America a little bit more now, but if they start opening these big dome, like arenas in the same way, like Japan does, like Japan has where like they can hold like a million people. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but like they have huge ass stadiums and if they can actually get you know, enough fans to fill them, then that's going to be a very lucrative market for them as well. Yes. I mean, South American market already eats everything K-pop up. So exactly. I mean, yeah, that, but yeah, I definitely foresee 
K-pop becoming more global, but at the same time less global. Like it'll have a farther reach, but it don't. It won't necessarily make their numbers go up. It's not like it's going to be a lot of people liking it. It's more so just people from different parts of the world, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to be interesting to see. And I, I do like your hot take about Big Hit not being ever being victory. I just don't see it for TXT. They are a talented group. I like some of their songs, and the boys do have something special. But I don't think it's enough. It's just not enough for, I think, Big Hit put too many of their eggs in the BTS basket. And it's just not, they didn't leave enough over for anything else, you know? Yeah, I don't really follow BTS stuff, but I was listening to the Idol podcast. Shout out to them. And they were talking about, like, something that I had noticed before that, where, like, even though the members do individual, like, they do have their solos and stuff like that. The focus from Big Hit seems to be on the group as a whole. Yes. Versus like the individual members, you know, like forcing their their own path or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, how does that work when you go to the army? Like, like I was kind of just like confused, like at that whole like market strategy strategy, because it's like you need them to sort of establish themselves as solo artists because you're not going to send all of them to the army. So then when, you know, like the oldest members go to the army, what are you going to do with the rest if they, you know, don't have established solo careers? Yeah, no, that's like, a great point because the only established solo careers come from rap line, which is basically Hung Line minus Jin. And yeah. so when Hung Line goes to the, the military, Makne Line, they don't, I mean, they have solos that are part of BTS, but they don't have mixtapes like rap line does. Yeah. They don't. I mean, JK says he's working on one, but God, Lord knows what that's going to be. Well, anyway, uh, that's yeah. a good K-pop prediction. And uh, yes. Oh, that's what the, I remember my prediction. I'm glad I brought oh. that up. I knew I brought it up for a reason. So yes. my prediction was that you're going to see less idols going to school. I think that that's going to like phase out or pretending to go to school, I should say, because I remember when people, it was a pretending. To, yeah, people used to be like, <laughs> yeah, that idol would come to class and like do absolutely nothing and then like get their degree. <laughs> like, yeah, so I definitely think there's going to be a decrease in idols who have degrees because it's already starting where so many of the younger idols like Jungkook was like, what's a school? I'm not trying to go there. So yep. I could definitely see more idols like just completely skipping out on it. And because like when I first got into K-pop, I saw so many idols with like going to school for their PhDs. And I was like, is this normal? Like, I was like, cause in our entertainment industry, people barely be having a high school diploma, let alone a PhD. But then when I got more into it, I realized that people was just getting degrees just to get them. And yep. they weren't really working for them. That really opened my eyes. No, I actually, I, I agree. I feel like people are more aware of the scam. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it, it'll be harder for them to justify going to school and like not getting caught like Cube did with yes. their, um, yeah, their members of Beast. I think that it happened too. So yeah, That's you're going to definitely see more of that. I think we're going to see even more idol actors. <laughs> really? I mean, let, that yeah, was a mistake think, though to me. I feel like it's so expensive to make groups and to debut groups that they're going to just throw them into anything they can throw them into. Before you you had the opportunity to wait for a group to, you know, bang out the hits and become popular. I think because of the rising costs, just inflation in general, like I feel like it's going to be so expensive that you're just like 
you know, they have one song, let's put them in dramas. Let's put them in anything that we can put them in mm. and, and try to get them, um, you know, as much exposure, one, and then two, just money. Bring money back yeah. into the company. Um, that's kind of like what happened with Taunu. Like, nobody yeah. was really checking for Astro, but then they saw this pretty boy in a K-drama. And, and all of a sudden, yeah. Now, you know. But I, that's an interesting take. Like, I never really <laughs> thought about it that way. And I could, now that you said it that way, like, I can see that because... I, I can even see, too, like some companies might do it to where their idols will record a show before they enlist. Yes. So that then they yeah. can still keep that fan interest because that idol is there. So yeah. that would be interesting as well. I this is a hot, hot, hot take. But I could actually see Big Band being a five member group again and sort of climbing their way back to the top of the charts? Uh, it's time to go to bed. So, like, <laughs> what you said? This is big. I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not saying I want it, because I don't, but, because I, I feel like Sungri just, you know, completely got off scot-free of things that, some very disgusting and troubling things that I, I do believe that there's some truth to, allegedly. But I definitely see the group sort of wanting to be a five member group again and also releasing music that the public is going to be like well you know what happens he was never charged he did a service blah 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 and getting over it and um welcoming them welcoming them, them back to like you know the top of the charts i can see it i mean whether i'm right or wrong i don't know but i'm just saying it's definitely something i could see in the future that's that's an interesting take i hope you oh, get yeah. your your dreams i um, don't want it i don't want it oh okay I thought personally personally like sungri was my favorite member but as i said like i just don't i don't think i could support i i definitely like right now i don't support him at all and i don't think like with time anything's really going to change on that front so yeah that's how uh, i feel about jongbae yeah certain things you can't come back from i feel like it's weird because i don't really support Beckham. Yeah. Or Chanyeol, which a lot of people don't like Chanyeol, but he has some, he has a way about him that I really like. Like, I th- you know what I think it is? I think it's like when he plays guitar at EXO's concerts, like, it just seems like he's much better at playing instruments than, like, rapping. And I feel like that's his <laughs> real strong suit. He's actually not yeah. that bad of a singer either for him to be a rapper. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's actually more well-rounded as an artist than, like, most artists. Yeah. And I think yeah, no, that kind of draws me to him a little bit. Yeah. But he's definitely do- he definitely does have charisma, though. Um, yeah. Yeah, Jongbae, my feelings on him would never change. Beckhout and Tanyeol... I'm not too comfortable. I'm not all the way comfortable with them, but at the same time, I, it's not like I'm gonna just not listen to EXO music because they're in it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I I don't see myself becoming an XOL ever, but I do see myself enjoying EXO music in the next decade. Uh, you guys are <laughs> living a lot. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, okay. So, um, so yes, thank you guys once again for listening to another episode. You can definitely reach us. We're on SoundCloud at Not Your Average Netizens. We're on Twitter, which at Nyan Edizens. We are at Gmail. Jimin can share the Gmail. Not Your Average Netizens at gmail.com. We are on Instagram at Not Your Average Netizens. We are also on Spotify. Yes. yes, we are on Spotify. Well, podcast. we're in everywhere that you can find po- podcasts. iTunes, podcast.com. Actually, I don't think that's real. <laughs> Google, <laughs> you can Google us. 
and yeah. find more information about us. <gasps> you can find us on all of those platforms. Feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or just want to like rant about this billboard list. We will completely understand. And we are actually going to be working on our top 100 songs of the decade. If you have any recommendations or um, any songs that you want to, you want us to consider, or if you want to just be part of the conversation, feel free to reach out to us. I mean, a lot of you guys listen. Not a lot of you guys reach out. And we are not going to bite at all. We are like the nicest people in the world for the most part. So (laughs) feel free to reach out to us and share this podcast so that other people can find us. And yeah, thanks for listening to another one of our episodes. We have some mini-sodes hopefully coming at the end of the year and tonight is going to be the melon awards so enjoy reviewing that yeah shout out to txt magic island shout out to super m shout out to us shout out to everybody involved in making this podcast happen shout out to y'all the listeners shout out to axel for obsession shout out to bts for pie piper (laughs) because i'm Uh. (laughs) Um, shout out to baby yoda Baby Yoda, you're so freaking cute. I love you. You're my great niece because I don't know if you're uh, yeah. female, so I'm gonna make you. And it's not a shout out, but I do want to say rest in peace to Godfrey Gallo, yes, the Taiwanese Canadian actor slash supermodel. I think he was like considered Asia's first supermodel, and all around like honest to god good guy. I have never heard of any scandals with him, and he was. So fine. But just like a good dude all around, like R.I.P. Very sad to hear about his passing this early earlier this week. And yeah, guys, just remember, if you need to talk to somebody, there's always someone who's there to listen. No judgment. And I hope you do take that step because it's not easy. Life is not easy. But we all try to make it as much as we can. And with your support and our support, We can all hopefully make it through this. But yeah, good night. Good night. Bye. Bye.